0: Good afternoon everybody welcome in to the show my name is ultimate djs welcome in to talking trek live star trek fleet command's official podcast but today mark just a scotch off topic i mean not really we're going to talk about star trek we're going to talk about star trek fleet command but i have something special for you guys early today i'm pretty excited about it What's up, What's up? up? appreciate you guys all being here happy wednesday hump day the first hump day of 2023 is Hump Day delivering for you guys? I hope you guys are, are enjoying your Hump Day. Who could be here in our live studio audience to enjoy Hump Day with us? I would like to find out right now by conducting our first Hump Day Talking Craig server sound off. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and hit it, you guys. Maximum Hunter Dude on Server 28. Thank you. Tank Concrete. On 29, Killer Ab on 145, good evening to you, Jazz Meister on 167, Noon Whistle, Server 29, uh, appreciate you, JT Bob on 156, Shintari on 32, ready to rock out. Warhol on Server 21, coming for you. Yeah, that's what you think. I had incursions canceled. <laughs> Pallium on 188. <laughs> Not really. They're, they're still coming. Jerry Ryan on 146 and Dominus Prime on 52. Welcome Shady Pines. Let's do this. Heads up from the catnip on 27 to 29. Squarebeard on 41. Old Jace on 44. Jayberg on 32. Tony Rome on 131. Thank you. Shadow Sheep on 133. War, not love. Wait, what? Isn't that opposite? To be... War, not love. Raging Ginger on server 31. Appreciate you. Zula on server exclamation point. Probably a typo. Doug on 47. Stony Dude on 10. Athlete on 155. Battle Droid on 13. Benny Hill on server 42. Resistance is Groot on server 29. Thank you. Zula, server 9. Papa Smurf, 61. Bad Boy on 13. Eddie on 14. Thorn on 15. Captain Elmer on European 1. 34. Molly Weasley on 21. Lieutenant Bennett on 35. Walker on 42. Unseated Donkey on 163. Jugs Missing Incursions on 187. Uh, Captain Slog on 63. That Darn Texan on server 31. DJ Girl on 8. Benny Hill on 42. Jar Hen on server 57. Thank you very much. Ford 104 on 16. And the list goes on. AFOX on 134. Tony Rome on 131. Um, and Zeber D on 181. 300. Uh, let's see. 100 71 additional messages in the live studio audience, talking check server sound off. And uh, what do we got here? 317, 18, 318 in the live studio audience. Thank you guys so very much for being here. Appreciate you so very, very much. Um, Welcome into the show. (sighs) Echo is PMing me right now. All right. Uh, Just waiting because... He's he's denying he's denying everything that I wanted to tell you guys today. <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm Perfect a good timing. I'm a good cat. I play by the rules. I send everything in. I send everything in. And, and, and he just uh, he wrote me back. whatever I, hint, Two words. Hint. Denied. <laughs> Almost too late. Uh, yeah, I'm You've already, already on the, I'm already it. on the air, dude. All right. Let, he's All gonna right. he's gonna come in. He's gonna come in. Come in. You can do it, then If you can do so much better. You stinker. <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll we'll get to that. And I'll try maybe during a commercial break I'll try to rewrite it so it's all watered down and, and poopy. Um yeah, what what's that? Echo, I can't I can't hear you. Your your typing is coming through in German and Ripper's not here, so alas, I'm so sorry. Um yeah, I yeah, know Stradalorian. That's that's what I've got right there. PM's denied. Uh, non disclosure agreement that is currently on fire. <laughs> uh possible <laughs> All right. Uh, we got stuff to do today, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in. We are going to be playing Battleship today. We'll do that after our first commercial break, so you guys hang in there. Uh, if you're looking for a time marker, probably about an hour, uh, hour and ten minutes or so, uh, we're going to try to get to Talking Tricks Battleship, see if we can find ourselves a winner today. Mark, we don't have a winner yet. <gasps> I forgot to draw a name out of the Battleship War Room. See, shame on me. Shame, shame, oh, shame no. on me. Uh, that just means after this show, we're going to have to draw two. Dang, God. Hey. Kid, bad kitty i'll make it up i'll make it up um we uh will do that today talking treks battleship trying to make somebody a winner but here's the here's the big one today ladies and gentlemen coming up in about five minutes in five minutes maybe maybe six minutes we have with us today live from the star trek prodigy writers room we actually have a special guest here today to talk to us now that season one is in the books mark we're going to be yes. talking about Star Trek: Prodigy, how the project came to be, how the process works inside the writers' room. Because I'll tell you, uh, if I was looking at my notes here, Mark, and we'll and we'll ask uh, Shauna when she comes up to the stage. Yes, I've been authorized to give real names. Shauna Benson is here, everybody. Yes, Yay. yes. She is one of, if I read this right, she's one of nine writers on a writing team for Star Trek Prodigy. It's currently airing uh, on Paramount Plus and on Nickelodeon. Uh, Nickelodeon. God, there, if, if I were Shauna, I would just hang up right now. The dude can't say Nickelodeon. There's not an N in the middle. But I, Why do I say it that? Nickelodeon. But see, if I emphasize it like that, she's gonna be like, well, what do you know about Nickelodeon? N <laughs> I can't say it. Why is that word so freaking hard for me? Nickelodeon. All right. Uh so we'll be talking to Shauna about Prodigy, how that project kind of developed, Mark, because it was a fantastic show. Like oh, if, if so good. If you haven't watched Star Trek Prodigy yet on Paramount Plus, or if you don't have shenanigans to to get it. Um, you really need to find a way. <laughs> Do all the things that don't pay royalties, you know. Uh, oh, hi, Shauna, I know you're paid on royalties. Uh, no, But, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a fantastic show, a wonderful property. And crazy enough, it's written for children. We're going to talk about why it's so great for the true Star Trek fan. We're going to talk to her about that and what we can – maybe look forward to maybe obviously they're not going to talk to us about season two okay can't expect that but we can certainly kind of get the mindset of what they were doing as they were working on season one and wrapping that up and and kind of leaving us right there it was a really good ending it was a really good season finale mark because it did this is one of my favorite kinds of endings i'm not a huge fan of the cliffhanger ending the one that clearly makes you get to season two before you start to get any kind of closure i'm not a big fan of that because then sometimes the the shows don't come back right we could all name dozens of shows that we got into and then it just stopped right because the ending the season finale was a cliffhanger and there's never any resolution season one episode 20 of prodigy gave us a beautiful I mean, uh, m- mechanically, I don't know what a writer calls it. I'm not a writer, but I know a good story. It gave us, mechanically, a good, solid end to the first story while laying the groundwork for the second piece of this story. Um, and, and it's so, so good. And we do, in fact, have a confirmed season two on the way. So we're going to be talking to Shauna about that. I'm very, very excited. But before we do, because she's still got about four minutes on the clock. Four minutes on the clock, uh, Mark, that only means two things. One... Bubba Joe's not here. All right? Yeah. Bubba Joe's not here, which means the news might actually be good today. So let's give her a whirl. Ladies and gentlemen, live from Let all across it. the world, it is time for your talking trick, News... Stu- uh, stu- off to a good start. Stupid, Stupid <laughs> News! 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 It is time for your news. News! Woo. news. I did. almost said something stupid. I don't even know what it was now. It was so not even what I had prepared in my head. It was just like a random jumbling of words. I don't know what happened. Uh, American Vice President Kamala Harris will be visiting Chicago this week, Mark, which is actually really unfair to Chicagoans. So many people have suffered so greatly in that city already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Harris was actually expected to visit today, if I'm not mistaken. She's visiting today. So if you if you hear loud noises, that is actually not gunshots. It's just the sound of joyous laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that's funny for enough. That's funny if you get it. Frontier Airlines is in the news. Uh, Frontier Airlines announced that they will provide free flight vouchers to whomever adopts one of three kittens. This story is very close to my heart. Whoever adopts one of three kittens from a Las Vegas-based animal shelter, and now people are trying to figure out if if the free flight on Frontier Airlines is supposed to be a prize or or a punishment. (laughs) The the cats are named Frontier, Spirit, and Delta. And they are recent arrivals at the Animal Foundation of Las Vegas, Nevada's uh, largest animal shelter. But if you're trying to adopt Frontier or Spirit, you can expect significant delays. (laughs) (laughs) In other cat news, an ailing cat brought to a South Carolina animal hospital is recovering after veterinary surgeons removed 38 hair ties from the feline's stomach. 38 hair ties. Apparently the cat misunderstood how it's supposed to handle hairballs. I guess it can't do that with a ponytail, I'm guessing. That one was a little weak at the end, Mark. A little a <laughs> little, little weak right there. Here, let's go. Let's go to something much bit. more risque. Condoms are now free. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, let's, let's let's go from zero to hundred real quick. Condoms sure. are now free in French pharmacies for everyone younger than the age of 26 as part of the government's efforts to curb STDs. But still, the best form of birth control is probably them having them uh, babysit one of my nephews. <laughs> okay, just do that for like two days. They won't ever. They won't ever want that, okay? So I think. Well done. Mm. In what has to be the greatest New Year's Eve story ever, a town in the UK... <laughs> oh, this is so good. A town in the UK was forced to cancel its fireworks display because of the presence of a walrus in the process of having a good time with oneself. I'm not going to read the actual medical <laughs> verbiage here. Okay, because self it's, it's a children's show, right? Uh, yeah, this this walrus was was having was having some fun. Needle- needless to say, this is not what people were expecting when they were told they would there would be a spectacular display of excitement and celebration and bringing <laughs> in the new year with a bang. <laughs> it's not. It's not <laughs> what we thought. A bang! <laughs> it's not not it. <laughs> the Washington Commanders have been roasted on repeat since they announced their new mascot, Major Tutty. This is new territory for the Commanders because they're used to just oh, getting geez. made fun of for terrible football. Uh, Major uh, Major Major Tutty is a pig who sports a Commanders jersey and a military helmet. Now people are arguing that making him wear a Commanders jersey uh, should actually be considered animal abuse. All right, uh, uh, that right there uh in, I H- would agree. in HBO oh my god ladies and gentlemen now you know what let, let me let me just finish here for a second presidential theme music hold on i'm getting i'm getting ready for you buddy I'm getting ready just just give me a second i got it's not on cue cuz you never come here anymore presidential <laughs> theme music all right I'll, I'll get it ready uh in the meantime in HBO max's latest content purge this breaks my heart mark the streamer has removed 256 episodes of Looney Tunes. It's it's actually very heartbreaking. This has to be one of the worst things to happen to the Looney Tunes, uh, just behind potentially starring in a movie with LeBron James. All right, yeah, it's very insulting. Uh, Sean Diddy Combs went Instagram official with his girlfriend, Jung Miami, two months after welcoming a baby with another woman. Friends say he's simply taking a page out of the Nick Cannon playbook. Uh, yeah. Drums, please. Wow. Thank you. The I'll Be Missing You rapper, 53 years of age, posted several photos with the City Girls member at the age of 28, Mark, on Instagram. 25-year age gap, making fellow celebrity Leo DiCaprio incredibly proud. And nice. lastly, lastly, as Prince Harry's new memoir, Spare, is set to hilt, uh, hit shelves, a new report says Meghan Markle is also contemplating Writing a book about her time in the quote-unquote in the royal limelight. Most people need quality bathroom reading material, Mark, but this book serves two purposes. It's going to be good because they also need good quality toilet paper. So there is uh, there's that. Meghan Markle's new uh, documentary coming out. And ladies and gentlemen, scratchy. Uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that is your stupid news. Appreciate uh, everybody being here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I do believe we have a guest on the stage that I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting this today. I have a feeling he is here because he's panicked. What is that? That's not his he theme. You kind of called him out. Uh, I mean, I did ask him to come on the stage. Oh my gosh! I. What is this? That's eight oh, I bit. I love it. That's eight no, that bit. Is, I love of it. That is uh, that for the uh, no, it that's not quiet, the one. Honestly. That's not the one. It was supposed to be. Don't you guys remember his theme song? Okay, I got it. I got it. Echo. Here you go, oh. ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the stage. Mr President Echo. I've been really <laughs> I see nothing wrong with you, you remember you remember oh. this, baby boy. I remember, yeah, yeah this yeah. is great. This is what you asked for. This this was your cho- choice. You asked Thank for. it you. This is on a he loop on his own page. You really here. Yeah. Let's get it on. Oh, oh! ladies All and right. gentlemen president echo is here i can only assume now i shared very little with the community obviously i came in and i told the community first of all we were late right holiday breaks everybody's off normally on the show between the arcs i release hints towards the upcoming release the problem is everybody was gone right we didn't have a chance to do it before the holiday break which is fine you know one time a year we're running a little behind on hints that's okay so today we have our meeting echo it's a great meeting i think it's very productive uh, if I, if I'm just maybe offering a little bit of a of a sneak peek, community, you guys know I've been a little bit down on some of the features and some of the content and and you know the arc and you know assaults. <sighs> I've been a little bit down on it, but how do you really feel about assaults, DJ? <sighs> assaults. I'm not
1: can, sure we got it enough during the State of the Union. I could use a refresher. The assaults
0: yeah, can be summed up by cool their first by their first three letters. Echo. Okay, like that. That that <laughs> can be that can be the the uh executive summary if you want just just call it for what it is abbreviate it and call it ass okay uh that being said echo i enjoyed our meeting today it was very informative i appreciate you and the ark runner and beck who was involved and the other moderators this i'm no longer saying i'm excited about any interview or th- any content i think that's fair all right inside joke here community that i'm going to i'm going to yeah, let no you know that was
1: an inside joke beck had to explain it to me i'm like why is dj being so mean to me right now
0: (laughs) it's not necessarily that it's an inside joke it's just all right guys do you guys remember snake eyes Uh. used to say this snake eyes used to say that i would get excited if the wind blew right you guys remember that and and Uh, i I think i think scopely has kind of beat me down a little bit over the last six to eight months like i'm not exactly all uh bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as maybe i used to be i might even be call it cynical just a little bit because I, I just see a lot of problems that continue to happen, and they're frustrating and things like that. But when was uh, the date for that? Because we had a pool going. What? The, oh, yeah, we did. The date that the date that Scopely breath. would finally crush my soul. Uh, yeah, that oh. <laughs> that date is passed. Uh, that being said, Echo Echoed said today in the meeting that that because there were a couple of things that we asked about, and and they're not present in this particular arc. But you said your famous last words. I listen. We're just starting. It's the first part of a brand new arc. We're just starting. There's going to be more. I think this is the, the money phrase right here, Mark. I think you guys are going to like what you see down the road. That, that's, that's what he said. <laughs> now, the, the joke about that, <laughs> the joke about that echo, is that we've heard that a time or two or 20 in the past, not just from you, just, you know, We've heard that. Oh, well, I mean,
1: the, the 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 biggest reason I remember is I said I was really excited for it, and then it was Mantis month.
0: Well, Mantis month introduced with some problems. Okay, obviously, but it did turn around, and and now that people have obtained their Mantis free to play, I'm much warmer on it. I will say, listen, you you can complain, you can say whatever you want, but Echo's initiative on three Apex hostels probably in my mind mark. Salvage the entire loop. All right. Now, uh, mechanically, you know, the hostels they've got to work as well. Uh, granted, but even if you have a system where that where three hostels are working, echo. Even if you got one with two hostels, it's still better than it was before. Like that to me has really, really f- made this tremendously better in my opinion. So kudos to you, by the way, on your player beneficial initiative on fixing Manta Space. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree been very, yeah, very good. I'm waiting for the, the poop sandwich. What is the next thing that's
1: going to beat me down?
0: No, no, you know, the, the only thing that I might comment on Manta Space is, is nothing new to you. Just we still have that underlying problem. I've seen some reports where some systems are down to one or down to two already. Uh, so that's still the underlying tech problem, which hopefully right. is still being worked on. But, uh, but no, it really, the loop itself just is better if you've got a couple of extra Apex in there. And even if you have two, like if one's broken... It is better than what it was. And even if you have one, it was what it was meant to be. The problem is when you only had one and it broke. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So the the new uh, addition to Manta Space has been wildly well-received. I don't have anything to say bad about that other than just, you know, the underlying problem, but I know you guys are working on it. I'm really pleased with what's happened there and the fact that the free-to-play path has has been introduced and going really well. Uh, All that said, the inside joke is just simply that Echo – is is the new DJs? He's the DJ from two years ago when everything made me happy, when everything was exciting, and it's like, ooh, this arc looks good. All right, that's <laughs> that's how Echo responds to everything now. Now I will but say, go ahead. How
1: did you how did you feel this morning?
0: I actually do feel positive. I really do that's what I was oh, kind of leading no. to. I know. Call Would me you crazy. Say that
1: my positivity Ooh. is overwhelming that it's contagious. Would you say that not being positive <laughs> around me is futile?
0: DJ <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 well done, sir. Well done. Huh? Interesting. <laughs> that was you know, now why do I get the text message? Hint denied, and then you come in and lay something like that, huh? I, I, what? Your hint was way more than what I just did. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not yes, at it all.
2: Was. Not at
0: all. Your in you, basic okay. Your roadmap doesn't say anything that I wasn't going to say, just with a little bit of mysteriousness to it. Mm-hmm. All right. Since you I will,
1: I am going to say another thing. I just <laughs> this came off the top of the head, and I don't know. It's gonna sound really dumb, but I have no other way of saying it, so I'm waiting for the ah soundboard for this. Okay. Okay. Some would say that for all of the excitement that I have, I should pack a few additional lids to conceal it all.
0: Oh <laughs> God. Okay. Listen, I will. Uh-huh. I will admit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you, you, denied mine. You denied uh, mine. Okay, that's all I'm saying. What, what? You, you just wanted, you wanted to come and steal the thunder. That's not even a rhyme, Echo. You didn't even write a poem. That doesn't need to rhyme to be a hint. Uh, anyway, listen. Um, uh, based on what I saw today, folks, I crazy enough. Uh, I am positive about this coming month. There, there's, there are one or two areas of concern. Echo was very receptive to hearing those today. And, and, you know, we have presumably a few days left. Echo, obviously, we can look at a calendar and use our noggins, but are you prepared to confirm an actual ARC launch date? I, I, in order to give it to the people, I could tell you what my guess is, but it, it would probably need more. i
1: confirmed a launch day.
0: All right, that's fair. Um, but, like, whenever. I mean, looking at the calendar, folks, all right, if I'm just using. My investigative skills, Captain Mark, we have never had an arc, We've never had an arc that crossed over a monthly cycle. We've never had one that, that extended from the last day of the month into the first of the next month. So my personal opinion, but we've also never had an arc that started on any day other than the Tuesday. So my guess is that launch day for the January arc is going to come on Tuesday, January the 10th. Um, Echo can share if he has any additional commentary on that. but no, no comments. No comment. Fair enough. I I will say that that Mark I like how most of January looks. Um, can I can I do echo? Can I share nothing specific, but just some general player concerns that I do in fact feel like you guys have addressed this month? Could I could I do that? Can I can I praise you for a second?
1: Can you type it in the chat for? Can you DM <laughs> it to me first?
0: No. Uh, no.
1: <laughs> no yeah go ahead dj just share what you want Thanks. i would yeah, love to go. thank you do we have that old, we've got <laughs> no. that on tape
0: i clipped it oh absolutely all right yeah all right i just say. sent you a pm i think this is a huge huge thing like you guys maybe you don't even that, think of it that's I, okay with me so sure. so here's what i just okay. wrote ladies and gentlemen i have some good news for the next arc for you shauna i'm so sorry just bear with me a second just one more minute Well, we've, we've got Echo. Echo, you know we've got an actual Paramount staffer with us today? Paramount, Plus, the from the writing room of Star Trek Prodigy, we've got someone who actually works on the television show. Isn't that exciting? You came uh, in here. And, I don't know if I'm
1: allowed to say this or not, and I apologize. You if derailed the I whole thing. Uh, you be careful. What are you going to say?
0: Why don't you PM me, sir? <laughs> oh, I can PM you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's what yeah, Echo yeah. told me that I'm allowed to share with you guys. One of the biggest... Most crazy frustrations, especially for free to play and low spend Karkin. Buts, you're going to love this. Ladies and gentlemen, coming in January, we will see an upfront, day one permanent loop that in given enough time, obviously, depending on your engagement, that requires zero cash, will permanently source all officers being released this month, including the Epic. I think that is praiseworthy. I mean, I really wow. do. I think that's praiseworthy. Well, and JT, Bob, when I say a loop, I mean like, you know, the way that the, we'll wait the feature for the is coming.
3: the other foot to drop.
0: Well, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. See, you hear it echo. You hear it. Karkin's like, okay, fine. You can tease me with that. But what's the catch? What's the yeah. catch? I mean... I don't. I mean, I don't think there's much of a catch, DJ. I don't. Much. I don't think I feel there's it either. Much. I I don't think I see one. I mean, obviously, you know, this is an engagement feature. It's going to take time for some people to grind out. You will be able to fast forward it, of course, by spending and and to be honest with you, Mark, that's how I've always felt that that features should be. Players get to play day one. They get to engage day one. They get to enjoy the content. Day one. All right? And then if you want to fast-track the grind, you spend a little bit of money. That's how these things should be in my head. And I'm really pleased to see that that is, is working out. Now, you know what? That's fair. That's fair, Benny Hill. Echo. I saw it, Benny Hill says, yeah, DJ. Yeah, DJ. You remember what you said about the faction elite recruit enhancement slash poo-poo garbage poo. So, that that might be a fair point, because you know what? I got caught by that one, Echo, because I have not seen the cost. I've sure. not seen the cost on any of this here. Neither have I. You haven't either. So the fact that the mechanics are there, they could still come out and be, you know, eight months of grind for a single shard. True. Sure. It's
1: possible. could be. I mean, but I will just say that you've had a positive experience with this arc runner before, haven't you?
0: I have, yes. Yeah, no. I have indeed, and the um, the calendar looks good. There, there's some events that we have spoken about in the past community that that we typically generally um, find a little bit more favor in. All right um, can can I give can I give an example of one, Mr. President? Here, I'll, I'll PM it to you. Oh, by the way, yes. So, yeah, regarding your news regarding Shauna. Absolutely. Yeah, please share that. I just, oh, yeah. I, I uh, wanted to make sure that you weren't like, you know, no identities like this, this, this no, individual no, no. has, has created on an alt account, you know, for our interview today, just to protect identities and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: uh, this individual I've met in person before.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's actually, well, obviously, they're involved in the Star Trek universe. And you're deeply involved in the Star Trek universe. Even outside of Scopley's walls, you go to Star Trek Day. You go to these Paramount events. You go to the red carpet stuff. Like you're you're rubbing elbows with the actual television personalities. So it totally makes sense that you have been uh, uh, personally introduced and, and have interacted with this individual because they're they're at the core of it. They're at the story. I mean, any show doesn't matter. Look at J.J. Abrams. Okay, not that I'm knocking it. Just saying some general opinions might say, listen, he can deliver really amazing graphics, right? But the story isn't necessarily always awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like the story might've left a little bit to be desired, but now listen, his action sequences are kind of cool looking. There's a lot of effects there. I'm not going to take anything away from that. Transformer movies, you know, good stuff. But then, you know, just what happens to the story? This person, Shauna, that we've got on today, man, she's responsible for the story. She's making sure that the story Right, Mark? Like we were talking about, we, man, it's such a good show. Well, we're not excited because it's a cartoon, right? We're excited because it's a good story. It's a Star right. Trek story. So I'm and really, really. amazing. Uh, all the amazing oh. um, lens flares can't make up for a good story. Yes, <laughs> that's, well, that's so, true. DJ,
1: I'm going to say no to that one just because I know I, I don't want to hamper your excitement. But, like, let's, let's leave a little something.
0: Right, I mean that is. I'm
1: fine. looking out for your content
0: and <sighs> like. A,
1: a I want the
0: you know what I want the players after the last couple of months. Echo and you, you, you tell me if if well, you think I'm right or wrong. After the last couple of months, where where expectations may have been a little bit higher than what you guys were able to deliver, I would like to to give players a little bit of of encouragement. Yeah, like, I don't know if you got to hear the grading of the of the arc. Ripper. Gave it a grade of M, Echo. The grade of M stands for make me care again. Like, dude, you got players that are on their last like They're checked out.
1: I think that's totally fair.
0: And I think as
1: you are, I mean, let's be real. You are much more trusted in the community than even me, right? Which is why I want to share it. (laughs) And I, I think that's fine. But I also do think that actions speak louder than words. Let's... I want people to get their hands on it. I want people to try it. I want them to come up with their own opinions and ideas, and then you can grade us all you want, like you always do. What if? What if? What if it's you know not what people are hoping for, right? If we...
0: Well, that's kind of why we I were teasing you. Sometimes,
1: sometimes too much hype is a bad thing.
0: That's why we were teasing Wait, so, you. Look here. Fart Monster says, Echo always says stuff is good, and then it ends up not being so good.
1: You that's know, why I'm not saying if it's good or bad. I'm letting you say it for me.
0: Well, here's what I'll say. From what I've seen, I do. Hey, Bubba Joe. Welcome into the show. How are you, buddy? You tuned in oh, yeah, just yeah. for this Hi, segment, didn't you? Uh, from I, what... uh, someone someone tagged me about some Vidar A nonsense. And I Nobody just said, said that. Nobody said my... that. Get my resignation letter ready. Nobody said that. All right. What no, I? Someone tagged me with just that. Actually. <laughs> See assumptions. Assumptions. Okay. Making an assault out of you and me. <laughs> that was funny. I, oh, I, that was. I got good. it. I still have <laughs> yeah. That was actually very clever. Woo! I did that on the fly. Hit
1: um, no. yourself on the back a little bit harder.
0: Okay. Uh, no. In all seriousness, from yeah, what I'm I've seen. Funny. From what I've seen. I find more that I like than what I don't. And and I appreciate you guys sharing today. I appreciate uh, you being receptive to some of the stuff that might need a little bit of a tweak. Um, I, I continue to be a little bit concerned because, I mean, the ARC's allegedly launching in only like five or six days. So is it is it too late? To, to make some of these adjustments, like, and and I'm not, I'm not, I know what answer you're going to give. We're always going to reiterate on the feedback and make adjustments as necessary. I get that answer, but but sometimes, and and let me ask you this because this may be a fair a fair place to say this without beating you up because you know I, I I told everybody I got a little bit emotional on you during the state of the game. I, I've got to, and and by the way, I shared with people like yeah, I know good. I shared with people why that was. I I, I genuinely. Do consider you a friend. We talk differently than I would. This is the example that was brought to me. I talk to you differently than I would Keenzer or than I would old man. And and you know what? That comment, that observation, a thousand percent accurate. I, I consider you that a that friend a to a point thing, where though, like I ain't. would just be real with you. And I don't that's think a good thing. I, I think it is. But that's also it's also a bad thing. That is that is that has allowed my comfort level with you to get to a point where I could be construed as disrespectful or beating you up. And obviously that's not my intent, you know, and, and and they're right. I would not have spoken to, to the general manager of STFC that way. I wouldn't have, you know, that is a side effect of a great personal relationship. So I appreciate you being here. I apologize to you uh, for that happening. I know that's not what we, I know, I I know, I know, but, but my point is this. So one of the things we, go ahead.
1: No, I, I, I think I know where you're going with this. Like is there time to make changes?
0: That yeah, like one of the right? comments that was made there would be really, really nice. And I know that you've mentioned it in the past, too, is about getting some of your more trusted individuals, your NDAs, your contract holders, you know, whatever we, we are, whatever you've got to your, at your disposal. I, I kind of described it even earlier today with, with some of the other NDAs after you had left. It's like, you know, when, when people make a movie, about a certain topic or a certain, you know, genre, they usually bring in consultants. They hire consultants. Like, like how many times do NASA scientists actually work on a movie, right? Archaeologists yeah. work on dinosaur movies and, and you know, stuff like that. Like, they come in to make sure that the story is relevant and that things make sense and that the techno babble isn't just making stuff up. And, and I, I just, you know, you've mentioned this to me before about getting, you know, me involved a month early or a two month early instead of five days early. Cause now really truthfully, you guys are in 100%, 100 like head underwater. Like you guys are
1: right, right. to the grindstone so, getting ready. And like, I was like last time I hopped on the show when you were streaming on Twitch, I was like trying to give more insight and just to just sort of the back, like behind the scenes, like processes, right? Like how things go right. When a preview happens now, It. How do I say this without giving wait dates? There is a certain amount of time that is needed to submit a build to, like, Apple and Google, Mm -hmm. right? And for them to review it, process it, look it over, and then get it implemented so everybody can get the update and download it, right? So when that window, when when we're in that window, it's harder to make changes, obviously, because when it comes to like the core code of like a game of like a feature and something like that, that needs to be like submitted and approved. But for something like events where it's like an ongoing thing, right? Like you don't need new code for an event, right? That code already exists. That's dependent on whether there's bandwidth within like the team to create a new event. Does that explain that decently?
0: I get Which is that. why, like, I get that. I, I think what I'm asking, though, is, you know, while there is still sufficient time with the code, the client, the actual game design right. piece of it, like when it's actually being built, you know, and being mapped out and things like that. So, you know, that that's it, really it, I don't want to I don't want to turn it into an interview segment. I got no, I got no, a guess. Yeah, I'm going to go. Oh, uh, no,
1: last I mean, thing I'll just <laughs> say is like we want to get con- we want to get everyone more involved. But like I spoke to the roadmap before, like sometimes it's just really difficult to have like everything in the state to be like, okay, this is what we're doing. Please give us feedback on it. Um, I understand. and, And that's not a good excuse. We like should be better about having things more set in stone further out. But sometimes that's
0: just the nature of game design. Well, no, I think I think that's actually the point I'm making is, you know, if we are able to consult a little bit further out, then then there's still time to be fluid you know, uh, pertaining to one particular uh, uh, suggestion that I made today, you know, it, it kind of feels like it might be a little bit late to make that adjustment, which I think is an important adjustment, you know, and and so when we do have a little bit more time, even if there's, you know, short lead time and or longer lead time on, on builds and all that stuff, I just feel like that they would be good. Um, but Anyway, I, I do appreciate you popping in. Uh, so, so uh,
1: what? I'm sorry for taking away. I know you have a guest. I apologize for taking up your time. I hope you have a great interview. I will be listening in. I know Becca's here, and I hope everybody has a great rest of your days. I hope you all had a fantastic holiday, um, and take care, everyone. Uh,
0: so so how do I redo this hint?
1: There is no I, – I gave the hint, DJ. Oh, come on. Now
4: That's
0: i got to give something else lids, lids, oh, God, okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, President Echo uh, dropping in unannounced and, uh, of course, taking a minute to, to answer a question or two, but we have things to do.
3: Really you know, DJ, Yeah. you can always go back to the uh, classic Ripper hints. To hold back
0: and <laughs> you don't it want. starts with a... You B... <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like... Uh, don't, don't be upset. Don't be upset. <laughs> oh, It's fine. Don't, don't stress about anything. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to what we actually wanted to do today. And it was, it was extremely rude of me to, to put my guest on hold, especially my green room guest. Like, guest A, segment one. And it was, it was relatively rude of me. Uh, I appreciate your patience. The, the reason that I believe Shauna... Would have been okay spending an extra 10 minutes with community manager, President Echo. Bubba is because Miss Shauna Benson actually plays Star Trek Fleet Command. I do indeed. She does. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome Shauna Benson, a writer for Paramount Plus and Star Trek's Prodigy, among many other things. But important to us here today is her impact and what she's contributed to with Star Trek Prodigy and the fact, Bubba Joe, that she is indeed one of us. She is a player of Star Trek Fleet Command. She listens to content from Rev Deuce and No One Shout. Condolences. And my. Stop. <laughs> Stop. She engages in the game as a player and is completely familiar with how her universe intertwines with this universe. And ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, I uh, am so excited. It is my extreme privilege and honor to welcome to the stage Miss Shauna Benson. Welcome in to the show. How are you, Shawna? Welcome. Hi, DJ. Good. Hey. For those of you listening, uh, you can hear the theme song of Star Trek Prodigy, which is actually good. Mark? Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's a good one. It's not <sighs> like... I play it all the time. Not like Faith of the Heart, is it? Hey. Hey. It's it's great because there are no words. <laughs> it's, sim- <laughs> it's symphonic. Stop, right? Stop, Stop But it's catchy. Shauna, let me let me start with the most important question of, of all. You guys have an orchestral theme song. Do you like it better than Faith of the Heart?
5: <laughs> oh well, uh, that's, that's what I'm not leaving. a fair question. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, very much so. Uh, uh, first it is. Of all, it's a good theme, that right? That theme is written. Is that actually by done Giacchino. by a? Oh. Okay. So, he being the premier. Uh, Theme writer for many, many different shows, and you know, he he did the theme for Lost. Much as most people don't actually remember it, because it sounds more like ooh creepy, uh, like mist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in any case, the new stuff he does, like Incredibles and, um, and Prodigy, and other and the, the movies, um, uh, yeah, he's great. And Nami Malamut, who is his protege writes the rest of the music for our show all of the all of the score for all of the episodes
0: yeah i was actually taking through i because i didn't want to be embarrassed today shauna i wanted to actually do a great deal of research in preparation for our show today because i i love what you're doing i love your show i love your product it's yeah. probably one of uh you know, strange new worlds came out it was really good this show is right up there with it, Mark. As far as the story, I as totally far as agree. the storytelling, uh, the way that everything is presented, this is a great new property. And, and I wanted to treat it with the reverence it deserves. I, I did a bunch of research today. As a matter of fact, Shauna, you were talking about the soundtrack. The soundtrack that I have been able to find, uh, as far as actual scores from, uh, from your, your score writer, 65 unique tracks have been used this season. Does that sound about right or or is it even yeah. more than that?
5: Well, I, I, it might be a few more but probably not many more. Uh there's usually about 6 to 7 per episode. So that would be for the first 10. There's probably closer to like 120 pieces wow. of music. Some of those have probably been reused so maybe it's between 120 120.
0: Wow, so, so a lot. So this just is, is what made the cut for she the has, soundtrack.
5: Yeah, she has written a lot of music. Um and I, I one of the things I was most excited about was that I got to watch the orchestra that I think was in Prague uh do the score live. Like they were up at some weird late hour and we were up early in the morning and you know it was all done over you know Zoom and other apps and things but uh it was pretty cool. Uh it, and it is it's pretty awesome to see an orchestra perform this music, and then even better when you get to see the final result.
0: I, I imagine that it is kind of surreal, right, to see uh, a concert, right? See whether it's an orchestra or a rock concert or a pop concert, like just to see an artist put something together like that, but then like go and see it on television or hear it on the radio, or, or in your case, like your hearing this stuff as you're writing, right? Like you're, you're writing big pieces and you're writing this part of the story. Is that in your headspace? Like when you're writing a scene and or you're writing an interaction between characters, like, are you kind of thinking like, this is the sound that I'd like to hear? Or this is, this is the mood that I'm trying to, to represent here. And are you kind of hearing that score in the back of your head as you're, as you're writing the scene? Or is it the other way around? Like you've seen the score and, and you're kind of writing to the emotional strength of of that score at that time.
5: No, we we always get this the score last. So um, in this case, typically what you do is you you maybe have some temp track music. Some of it was Star Trek, uh, some of it was classical music. I know that when we were doing preludes, One of the things we talked about doing was scoring the zero sequence, which Mm -hmm. is about our Medusin character. Yes. And it's a backstory for him. Originally, that was uh, talked about doing that to Claire de Lune, which is a different uh, piece. by uh, The same Artist that's mentioned earlier, which I believe is Chopin. Is it Chopin or Debussy? I can't remember which now. I think it's Debussy. In any case, that was a a piece that we talked about a lot uh, because we loved the kind of the, the, the soft beauty of it. And that was what we wanted to sort of have for the sequence was this kind of tragic beauty of what happened to the Medusans and to Zero specifically and how he got to where he was.
0: Yeah, so I remember uh I remember that story uh where they had kind of gone back. As a matter of fact, this was uh this might not have been your episode, right? Like right before Mind Walk when they did like that backstory. Yeah, it was
5: two episodes before. Yeah,
0: yeah. they were doing a backstory. We all wrote on, on all. that episode. You so know-
5: actually technically I'm my sister and I are credited on four episodes of the show, two of which we were the writers of. And the other two were room written. Um, it was collaborative. And, and Preludes was great because it managed to break out where each one of the writers took a character story and wrote that piece. And because my sister and I were in the middle of breaking our episode when that one was being written, we ended up writing the interstitials. So we were writing the um, pieces of uh, Admiral Janeway looking at the data and talking to Tysus or the Diviner and Ascensia uh, having a conversation and the big reveal of Asencia at the end of the episode. Wow, so that was kind right? of how we um, th- that episode broke out. But generally, I mean, I can walk you through the process. I, I don't know how much detail you want me. to Oh, I into. want it all.
0: You know, because you and I were talking a little <laughs> bit earlier and and I was trying to understand, you know, I, I've always wondered about this. When you have, you know, a, a movie script, there's usually like one or two people or, or one person writes it and then somebody comes in to, to fix it up a little bit. But I would imagine writing for a series is, is probably, I would imagine it'd have to be tougher, right? Because you're not the showrunner. So, like, you have to have a sense of how your episode's been led into, and then the tone that you want to deliver for your episode, and then you've got to give the next episode writer like a way to get into their episode. So you know how they're wanting to get into their uh, episode is is you kind of have to give them that transition right at the end of your mm-hmm. episode. So I am curious about that. Like writing is a part of a team. Uh, from what I can yes. tell, there was roughly nine of you guys. Is that the sound about right?
5: Yeah, uh, the brothers Hageman, uh, who were completely amused by the fact that they hired the Benson sisters. Uh, But it was that we had had a meeting and we just all got along and so worked out really well. So there was the four of us and then there were um, two more co-producers, Aaron Walkie and Chad Quant. Uh, My sister and I were co-producers on the series as well. And then the other animation writers, uh, we had more writers. So yes, nine.
0: Yeah, just as far as the story goes, that that was your that was your team right there. Now you had mentioned you've actually mentioned this twice, and I and I failed to hone in on it. You said your sister. Do you mean like your sister from another <laughs> mister, or is this like oh, a, no, no,
5: my actual sister? She that, was born on my third birthday. Oh wow! So we have the same birthday three years apart. Um, it's a wacky way that we ended up being coworkers, but it just really worked out for us that we. Love writing things together. We have the same taste and sensibility because we grew up watching all the same stuff together. Um, that's not to say we don't write some things individually, and the marketplace being what it is right now, it's really challenging uh, to work as a team and make that kind of work monetarily. <laughs> So we may be doing a lot more individual writing in the future, but up to now, uh, all of our work has been as a team. We've written comics, uh, animation, and live action.
0: Wow. that That's actually kind of, I don't know if I could handle actually working with my brother. All right, Bubba I hear jokes. that a
5: lot from people. So You're yeah, like, how <laughs> do you do that? And I'm like, well, it's not like we get along on everything, you know. But uh, it used to be more challenging because we actually lived together for the last 18 years of mm. our time in L.A. And uh, only a- about two years ago did she get her own place in- from our condo where we live. And she ended up buying a place that's downstairs from me. So we're <laughs> in the same building.
0: Okay. Well, you still <laughs> Sunday family dinner. Still a thing then, right?
5: We have a little bit of separation, which is nice. It helps.
0: There you go. All right. So, so you guys are, are both of you then part of this nine person team that's writing. So yeah, I would like, if you, if you don't care to kind of walk through, I don't know how much is, is private or protected about the industry, but I would love to explain to the audience, like what are your given responsibilities? Like, okay, here you have, for example, you told me one of your, one of your more recent ones, the one that you and I talked about was episode 18. It was mind walk, which I thought was a phenomenal episode, just a great episode. Mm -hmm. Um, because it really for the first time in the entire show gave Janeway a little bit of insight into who this mysterious nemesis was. And when I say the nemesis, I'm talking about these kids on the protostar. So I've really enjoyed watching um Kate Mulgrew's performance there in in changing everything that she had thought about these kids and about this uh, alleged threat to the to the Federation. But that was not where your story started. So if you can't share, like, how does this work? 20 episodes, do they just say, here's yeah. episode 18 and here's episode 7 and go oh, write no. some story? No, no, no. Or or do you guys <laughs> have? No, no, no. Yeah, how does it work?
5: This was planned, yeah. So the, in the history of animation, a lot of animated series were storyboard-driven, meaning that the directors, the creators of those shows, they kind of used um, – Well, they used images to tell their story, but that didn't necessarily mean that those episodes connected to one another. One of the things that has evolved and changed, um, and I think primarily with um, the Last Airbender, uh, which was also a Nickelodeon show, is is gone to much more of a fully scripted uh, method and. So there's a little more division between the artists and the writers of these shows. But what that allows us to do as the writers is to really plan out a season of a series and, you know, craft the episodes to tell a larger story with these individual episodes telling smaller, you know, contained stories as well. So uh, that's live action. That's most shows. Animation, there aren't quite as many of these. There's starting to be more, uh, especially as there is a big audience for animation that isn't necessarily targeted to people under the age of 10. So uh, that I, I worked on an adult animated show for a short time that sadly is never going to see the light of day. And it was a similar experience in terms of the writing and and producing of the episodes. Um, So we we basically, the the Hagemans had written a pilot and they hired all of us as writers and we spent the first few weeks just talking about who these characters were, what we thought they wanted, where were they going, how do we want to tell this story and what do we do, uh, you know, in, in terms of like telling it as authentic Star Trek stories. So my sister and I grew up, we were watching Trek. My dad was a TOS fan. Uh, I was uh, the nerd on the couch from almost episode one of TNG. And uh, (laughs) so it was, you know, I mean, my sister made me a uh, science officer uniform when I was like, 14 or whatever. I'm a total nerd. Like, I'm a super nerd. So it was really exciting for us to get to tell Star Trek stories in this way. And the thing that sold us on doing the work on an animated show that was sort of designed for full families and could speak to younger audience was that as the show has gone on over the years, it has become a... I mean, there's almost 800 hours of Star Trek. And so when you look at that from the outside, having never seen an episode of Star Trek, you kind of don't know where to start. And we said, well, these kids don't know anything about it. So let's just start with the basics. So it it was interesting because the initial criticisms of the show was that it didn't feel like Star Trek. And it was kind of by design. Because the characters that we have don't know anything about the Federation. They don't know anything about Starfleet. They find this Starfleet ship and it is uh, a way for them to get out of a very dark situation. They're basically prisoners in a labor camp. And so they learn about the world and this universe that we all love along with the audience of people who don't know anything and also people who are well-versed in the history of Star Trek. So that's that's kind of where it started. That was what it started for the Hagemans who created the show. And then for us, it was, well, how do we unwrap this for people, you know, and we cover various elements of Star Trek kind of one at a time, right? You sort of You get the basics of what does it mean to have a United Federation of Planets? What is that? Um, Then you start to talk about technology like transporters and food replicators. And so it's sort of you don't do it all at once. You kind of just take a piece at a time. And then before you know it, you've kind of indoctrinated it and everybody into the language of the show.
0: It's it's yes. I
5: got to do the salamander reference, and it made me so happy (laughs) that we, because we all want. Like there was the there's like the two or three of us kind of uber nerds that really wanted to do this gag. We just felt like it got to. It's it's the worst episode of Star Trek ever made. I think (laughs) at least to me, and yet we all kind of weirdly love it. And so um, we we just felt like it had to be commented on. And so we kept trying to find places for it and it just never fit. And then this kind of ended up being the place for it, you know, because it was a way for Janeway to say to these kids, look, I've seen a lot in my time and I've, (laughs) I've even been a salamander. And so for kids hearing that it's funny, right? It's, Oh, you got turned into an animal and they can laugh at that. For adults who know what we're talking about, it's funny on a different level.
0: That's one of the things that I have so enjoyed about Prodigy is is that it's appealing. It's the same product appealing to two entirely different generations for different reasons, but is still appealing. My my seven-year-old likes watching it. The reason he started watching it is because I asked him. But what even when he saw the first episode, I think this is a part of maybe how Nickelodeon's input might have been a little bit, Sean, because he said, oh, is this Star Wars? Because Star Wars has had this kind of stuff on, on television for a long time. But the animation was the same. It looked familiar. So just that in and of itself allowed him to, to say, okay, dad, I'll give it a shot. Like, you know, And so he sat and he watched it with me, but he did enjoy it. And it resulted in other questions. Meanwhile, I'm watching it and I'm looking for something totally different. I'm loving these. Uh, they're not even Easter eggs, but like the salamander thing. And then uh, the Kobayashi Maru episode with all these cameos. And it just like for an actual true lover of Star Trek, it really gave us stuff to, to sink our teeth into as, as a 20-year, 30-year, 40-year fan gave you something that, that could be familiar to you as well. How did that process make it into into the writer's room like was that something that the Kobayashi Maru episode in particular like how did that come to be because there from what I understand from what I read this was one of the most difficult episodes to, to make all season long
5: it was it was very difficult but the, at the very beginning of the the work um, which started in around uh, April 2019 I think yeah uh, because we fin- we ran basically April 2019 to uh, February 29th of 2020, which was about a week and a half before L.A. shut down for COVID. So uh, that was the length of time. It was actually a very long room because we were writing 20 episodes. So it was, you know, we, uh, we had to do a lot of work there. Normally a show, you'd be on it for four to five months. And here we were on it for almost 10. So it was, a, it was a long haul, but it was a good one. And at the beginning of it, we talked about the various Star Trek tropes. Like, what are the, the things that Star Trek does and does well that everyone kind of knows? And so it was things like they visit a wish-fulfillment planet, and then it goes horribly wrong. They, which is the other episode that we wrote uh the um you know that there is a a group of aliens who are um strange in some way they're not what they seem um in our case it was the enterprisians you know it was like we mashed up a couple of different ideas in the room one of them being um you know what if we had a group of aliens that had already encountered starfleet and the ideals of the federation But they weren't at all Starfleet or the Federation. So, like, just coming up with a list, and there was probably, like, I think we managed to put, like, 70 tropes that occur throughout all of Star Trek history. Um, And and some of them are full-fledged ideas. Others are very small, minor things, like, you know, uh, Measure of a Man uh, in TNG talking about... uh, the uh, whether data is a conscious, you know, uh, self-aware entity and should be given the rights and um, same privileges of everyone else who in the federation is self-conscious, you know, self-aware and has uh, consciousness. So uh, that's obviously rather deep, but we kind of skirted toward that just to talk about augments, and that was a thing that kind of came out of a lot of the discussion that we had in the room. So Kobayashi, in particular, we said, well, Kobayashi Maru is a huge uh, trope for Star Trek. You know, I mean, it, we all love the simulation in Khan. That was clearly a big piece of the inspiration. Um, and when we talked about, well, who would we have Dal choose? He doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know anyone in the history of Star Trek, but that gives us the opportunity to introduce a few people that are pretty, you know, important to the franchise. The challenge there being that half of them are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. So we had to do a few things to make that work. Fortunately, we were able to get Gates McFadden to do new dialogue for her her character Beverly Crusher, who is in one of the simulations. But to say voice, um, you know, Spock, Leonard Nimoy is not with us anymore. So Aaron had the thankless job, or thankful one, but in any case, he he spent hours combing through Spock dialogue in TOS and the movies to find pieces that we could pull and use as his lines uh to Dow. And I, somebody went through and they they managed to find the sources for all of those. But it was a um but it was an interesting exercise. You know, it's it's sort of like can you write this story and find everything you need in the many, many hours of previous Star Trek content. And the answer is yes. Yes, you can.
0: Well, yeah, I obviously and, and I know I speak for a lot of people probably, I hope, when I say that that particular piece I think was was a turning point for Prodigy. Like that was the moment that Star Trek got real in this property, bringing all of these characters back and and really um kind of that I believe was probably the point uh the point in time where the Federation really kind of made its first real big presence in, in Prodigy as, as now all of these legacy characters are starting to teach these kids about the Federation. From what I understand, uh, Mr. Waltke went through 90 scripts and watched 40 of those episodes in order to find wow. all of the audio that he wanted. I mean, that just had to have taken days, weeks probably, to, to yeah, find what he was I, looking and- for.
5: The one good thing about animation is that you have a lot of time uh, because it takes so long to animate these. And that's why there was a huge gap between the first 10 episodes and the second 10 episodes, because you get caught up to where they are in the production very, very quickly. And they needed a lot more lead lead time before they could air the next set of episodes. They just weren't done yet. But in that, it gives you a little more breathing room in terms of like tweaking or uh, working, refining some of the dialogue. It didn't have to be done like in live action. There are times that we've written scripts that are days away from shooting, um, and you have to do rewrites on those scripts. Sometimes even on set, Uh, and that's just the nature of the beast of production. That is, you know, trying to keep the train moving when when you're airing. Simultaneously with production still being done for animation, of course, that's all being done after the writing work is pretty much over. And also, a lot of the sequences tend to have animatics, but not full animation. And the animatics are there also to help guide the um, actors in then going into the going in and doing their lines and the dialogue and actually, you know, breathing the life into these characters so that it's it's a very long process and it was one that we were not familiar with because we had worked in live action and we just uh you know we we learned so much and when you're a producer versus just a writer you have a higher level of insight or and and work that you kind of have to do in terms of seeing so that was uh, a new experience for us as well
0: can you uh, just a real quick question, um, and then I've, I've got another that another question that just kind of you started on. But how long does it take to, to fully produce one of these twenty minute episodes? Or is that even a, a fair question? Because they're probably not producing one at a time. Might th- might they be producing four or five in in like a block and then break them up for television, or or is it contained pods? Here's you know episode two and it's packaged and ready. Like what kind of timeline are you looking at? for a singular episode, or do you even track it that way?
5: It's it's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, initially, like, when we wrapped the writer's room, we had only seen a few of the character designs and the early storyboards and the ship. Like, that was, that was it. We didn't really know. Like, we had no idea what any of these characters looked like while we were writing the episodes. Wow. And I think that's part of the reason that, it takes a little bit of time in the early going for everyone to kind of get oriented to what the show is. And, and we couldn't have done Kobayashi as episode two or episode three because we had to plant uh, information for the younger audience to be able to kind of wrap their heads around uh, these concepts before you go in the deep dive mm-hmm. of Kobayashi, where you're just throwing a lot of lore mm-hmm. and backstory and characters and all of these things at the mix. And you're right, it's only 22 minutes. Like we, and then, you know, you get like a minute and a half for the the theme, which of course I never skip through because it's so beautiful. I mean, you have to tell the full story in 20 minutes. Every other Star Trek series has about 45. They have twice as much time as we have in animation. So that's the other challenge that we were up against, was how do we tell a full-fledged Star Trek story in such a limited amount of time? And you just have to become super efficient. Super efficient with the dialogue, super efficient with the action, um, but probably from start to finish, the an episode takes the uh, like four or five months to animate, I think. I mean, by the time you get all the way through it, i mean it's it's really difficult to say how much it takes because then you have the other pieces of this you know process that go along with the adding the actors and the score and the final renderings and all of that stuff, the colors and things like that. So but Ben Hibon, who is the director, um, amazing guy. And, and yeah, there are some probably some influences from like the Star Wars animated series, but hopefully it's the good stuff. Um, Primarily, I I think a lot of the look of the show was developed, you know, in conjunction with Alex Kurtzman and the Mm -hmm. executives at Nickelodeon as to what is going to be appealing for a young audience. To want to sit and watch and you know it's bright colors and and our universe is bright right we see these galaxies from you know the tele you know the telescopes and it's just breathtaking like the spider nebula and stuff like that it's just insane and so to be able to kind of do that in animation things that you can never do in live action it would be so expensive it'd be prohibitively expensive to do a lot of the things that we did like show Borg uh that were non-humanoid um you know and things like that because you you would always have humans as Borg because it'd be too difficult to do them otherwise in live action
0: so you had mentioned Alex Kurtzman who has for the most part I think been a a pretty positive influence on on the Star Trek universe I mean he's really kind of led the charge on revitalizing it he's paramount's guy right like like kevin feige is from marvel he's the guy that is that is kind of just at the top of the pile directing these projects uh and and organizing them in such a way that the universe makes sense how involved was he with prodigy Uh, like is he coming in to to look at the episodes and and feel them and look at the stories or is he kind of just saying, you know, this is kind of the sentiment that I want. Like, how and, – and you had mentioned this a second ago. Starting at the producer's level as compared to the writer's level, I'd like to kind of start at the top, maybe even with with Mr. Kurtzman, and kind of move down. How do these different people influence your product? Like, you had also mentioned that, that you're given direction on the story. So that must come from somewhere. But they're not – you're writing the script, right? So they can say to you, for example, Shauna, we want you to write a story that – involves Janeway discovering who Dal is. Is that the amount of direction that you get? Like, did they come up with the idea of the mind walk or was that you? Like, where does the story come from? Like, you guys are mechanically building it, but where does the broader story come to life?
5: Well, that all came from the writer's room. I mean, Alex Kurtzman's job is to make all of these pieces work together in the larger Star Trek universe. He was consulted uh, at every step of the process. Um, he obviously was instrumental in the development of the show itself. But really from the time that we start as a writer's room, we, we didn't have half of the things that make the show what it is. Murph did not exist as a character when the writer's room started. It, there was a blobby thing. And we said, well, what if we turn this blobby thing into an actual character? that was the room, that was the writers who said, here's a fun idea, let's try this. And so all of the story, everything came from the Hagemans uh, who had the initial vision of what they thought the show was and the writers in the room. Uh, Where the hierarchy comes into play is advocating for shows. There are also so many shows (laughs) at this point and more than two is a lot in my mind. That he was very focused on whatever was in production at that moment. So whether it was Picard or Discovery, or um, you know shows that haven't even you know come into, come to fruition yet. So excuse me, they uh, there's there's definitely input and insight, and he may have even pitched some ideas along the way, but it was always in response to what we as the room set out as kind of the blueprint for wow. the
0: season. So so it was you. It was you and your team that have that have made this show what it is. Probably for for us, for our generation, because you're right, the colors and the pretty things and and you know the way that the animation's working, that is certainly working to draw in children. But lore fans, like actual Star Trek fans like you and I We're watching this for Star Trek for that story and that was all you you guys made this story able to be watched by adult fans, right?
5: Yeah. And that was that was self interested to some degree, right? Like I my sister and I talked about it like when we we got hired, we said we want to make a Star Trek show that we would have wished we'd had when we were young, young kids. And we also wanna make a Star Trek show that we wish we had right now. Um, you know, the, the, every show that exists currently has a little bit of a different flavor to it. I mean, Lower Decks is not like Prodigy. They're both animated. but Lower Decks is, you know, very much, uh, much more geared toward the humor and the situations that people are kind of familiar with in Star Trek so a lot of those jokes can be a lot more referential we did a lot of references we did a lot of easter eggs and that was fun for us um, to try to see how far we could bury things and whether people would see them or not um, and then but, but never never to sacrifice story it always had to be in service to the story we were telling If, like I said the, the salamander gag we tried to fit it in places and it just never fit And until we found the place for it and we went, okay, this actually helps us. This services our story in this moment. Whereas it wouldn't have, it would have just stuck out as a reference before. So Hertzman has been great at sort of, you know, empowering all of the showrunners to really guide the, um, you know, the creation of these shows, but he's still there. He's there as a resource. He's there as someone who can provide insight and Also, it was helpful to have that higher level that could say, hey, you know, we're going to be doing a lot with the Borg in Picard season one. You might want to avoid the Borg and maybe the Romulans, you know, at least for the first half of your season. We said, "Okay, got it. We won't do any Borg. You know, we'll figure that out down the road. And then, you know, by the time our Borg episode airs, in season two like they've already gone past all of that you know people were people were uh interested in the fact that like strange new worlds had their kind of body swap the same way that we sort of did ours with mind walk but we wrote our episode almost three years ago (laughs) you know whereas strange new world probably got written you know while our episode was being animated they probably had a lot more knowledge of what we were doing than we ever had of theirs. Their show hadn't even like had a pilot written by the time that we finished writing our show. So it's, you know, and, and we would do, we found that, yeah, we had ideas that were incredibly similar to things that other shows wanted to do characters that we wanted to use that other shows wanted. And it wasn't um, like, it wasn't come. Competitive or combative. It was about who who has the best, you know, way to utilize this, you know, kind of old language asset, right? This this piece of the Star Trek universe, you know. And I saw somebody comment that yeah, Will Wheaton, I think, mentioned in the right, uh, ready room on one of the episodes that several of the shows had a pitch for Wesley. And so then it became, well, which one really makes the most sense? Or or maybe there is more than one. I don't know. But it was sort of, what do we do with this that makes it the most, have the most impact? You know, you're getting your biggest bang for your buck with this level of uh, use uh, of the, the things that people are already familiar with and know and love.
0: Were you, uh, you had mentioned that you guys developed the character of Murph. Um, when it comes to the actual uh, Star Trek personnel, like uh, with, with the Kobayashi event where you guys brought in Odo and, and uh, Leonard Nimoy and things like that, when when you're talking about, for example, uh, Will Wheaton, is that a decision that you guys get to make? Like, can you go to the showrunner and say, hey, we want to do a feature by Gates McFadden? Like, was that a decision that you guys got to make or were you told the quote unquote assets that you were able to work with?
5: Uh, it was a little bit of both, like uh, in the case of Janeway, like from the beginning, the show had kind of been imagined that she would make the most sense to be the character that served as kind of the, you know, the the den mother for this young crew, um, not because she necessarily was, you know, just because she was a woman or maternal or anything like that. But logically, she was a character that had already been to the Delta Quadrant. That's where we were setting our show, at least in start. So it made sense when we sort of dug into, well, what's the history of the Protostar? What is the story we're telling about the ship? That the idea that, like, Chakotay is going to go back to the Delta Quadrant. And, you know, they now have the means to travel between quadrants much more quickly, um, but not necessarily sw- like, In our head cannon in the room, uh, Slipstream hadn't been perfected yet by the time the Protostar was built. Like the Protostar technology was something they had been working on when Voyager returned. And then they built the Protostar and it launched like within two or three years of Voyager's return. So Cody's going to go back and they're going to do, you know, science exploration. So it's a small ship. It's not intended for, you know, um, military use or anything like that. But you, also, might want some additional support, and in Chapulte's uh, Chapulte, mind, I'm obviously hungry. Oh, oh uh, my Chakotay's god, mind, <laughs> I'm very hungry right now. Just thinking about Nico and his quesadillas.
0: Um, <laughs> See, she's one
5: of us. She's one of us. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, I, I had to. I actually had to put my my shield on before I got on because I'd forgotten that I was unshielded, and I didn't want anybody like trying to, you know at me while I was doing this. It happens to me daily, every time. I know, I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, well, you know, I think you enjoy it, so whatever. But in any case, Chakotay might want someone he knows and trusts along for the ride. And so this idea of, well, they had the doctor hologram on Voyager, so maybe they do something similar with Janeway. But there was a time where we had to imagine the role as it not being Janeway in case um, we couldn't get her. And one of the things that the women of the show did, because it wasn't it was it was looking a little like fraught at one point. And Kurtzman was pulling out all the stops and he was definitely talking to Kate and, you know, trying to explain to her what this show was and what it was they wanted to accomplish. And that it wasn't just to, you know, sort of exploit what Voyager had done. It was to build on it. Um, but the women got together. We all wrote a letter to Kate. And we talked about the fact that, you know, her role was instrumental for a lot of us uh, because she's the first female captain mm-hmm. that most of us got to see. Not counting Rachel Barrett, and G because she was only on one episode, and no one remembers it except for me for some reason. I remember. Um, but <laughs> I remember. <laughs> but in any case, right, your 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 lead character as a female captain. This was the this was someone that every woman could look at especially in the 90s like I, I we actually just had to write a, uh, a thing for this uh, for a uh, submission of something and I was like in the 90s women were becoming CEOs and scientists and you know doing all of this amazing stuff but Star Trek was still putting women in beehive hairdos with very short skirts so it had to catch up and thank you Garrett I don't know what, again brain fart um, so Star Trek had to catch up and TNG did that. And, but it still took another six years before we got a full fledged female captain at the helm. And that was inspirational for a lot of us. You know, my sister and I wanted to write, be writers and we wanted to write Star Trek when we were little kids. I wrote fan fiction. Uh, I didn't know that's what it was called at the time because I didn't have the internet, but I was writing fan fiction stories. Um, But to, to tell her that like, she had impacted all of us in following and pursuing our careers and showing that we could be the leaders and the scientists in the future. And Dr. Erin McDonald, she has a tattoo of Voyager on her arm. She's a total badass. She was our science advisor. Um, so even though like Erin Walkie and I and my sister, we were all just like super nerds and we would actually totally uh, geek out on top talking tech um we still had a couple of advisors we had dr aaron mcdonald who advised on the science and we had david mack who has written loads of star trek novelization or books and novelizations and wrote an episode of Deep space nine i believe um, as the star trek advisor so we we weren't like completely left alone to our own devices we did have like resources that we could use, um, just in case we needed it. But I definitely used Memory Alpha a lot. Um, we enjoyed being able to take a few things that had never been established in Canon and actually make it Canon, like the Uh And so that was that was that was the stuff that was particularly fun. Um, the, the, the trivia thing is that my sister actually named Murph. We all tried to come up with names for Murph. But Murph is named after a a transpo driver that we had in Vancouver. It was this great guy, older gentleman, definitely retired, and he would just drive, you know, people back and forth to set. But he read the scripts,
0: and he would. How he did would a driver get access episodes. to the scripts?
5: Well, everybody has to have the script. I mean, you have to know what's going to happen on a day to day basis, and you get the you get whatever's going to be shot for that day. Everybody gets that. That's the distribution. So he would read the scripts and then we'd have conversations in the car about those episodes. Um, This was was on the hundred and he was just someone that we loved. He was a great man. And he, he was Mike Murphy, but everyone called him Murph. And so we had it on the list and was like, we like that. It's like this single syllable. It sounds like a, maybe a sound or something, but we weren't going to go with like a thing. We didn't want to do that. And we didn't want it to be. You know, just him saying Murph. Um, so that's when you get Dee Bradley Baker, who is brilliant at voices, to come in and figure out uh, <laughs> how what what Murph sounds like. And so we didn't have to write a lot of dialogue for Murph. In fact, almost none.
0: Just do just do trilly sounds right here. Well, I yeah. mean that must be incredible, right? And I, I was going to ask about this, but I, I also kind of want to acknowledge Mike Murphy. Like that had to have been fascinating to to have been incorporated in this show somehow probably like a like an honor really but how you guys are drawing inspiration from everything like there was probably more than one idea for this show that just happened to you while you were eating dinner right
5: yeah I mean you come to the room every day you've got to come with new ideas and new pitches for the story that's on the board and sometimes it would take us weeks to you know really make an episode work, you know, and make it crackle. And some were easier than others. Some of them were very complex, especially when we decided to go, you know, pull the trigger and go full blown into some timey-wimey stuff, which, you know, there were a lot of people who were nervous about that. They were afraid it'd Mm -hmm. be way too much for a, a, a young audience. And we said, look, you can't, you wouldn't want to be treated like you're a kid when you're a kid. And you shouldn't be talked to like that. You shouldn't be entertained like that. Kids, watch, you know, and, and people made the valid argument that they grew up on TOS. Nobody talked down to them as kids in the original series, and that's absolutely true. But again, it's like, where do you, um, like, where do you, where do we, where do you kind of get that inspiration, and and where does it come from, and and you have to get from your experiences. You bring it from your real life. You bring it from every episode that you've ever seen and no chapter and book on it. And, you know, it's, but it's, a, it's, it was a fun job, but it was not always.
0: <laughs> what was um, you had mentioned <clears throat> that you were working with uh, or had written a letter to Kate uh, before she had actually originally signed on to the show. From what I understand, from what I've been able to learn is that she didn't agree to be on this show until then, see, I'm connecting dots here. So you tell me, Shauna, if, if this is what I'm reading. She didn't agree to come onto this show until it was made obvious that she was reaching out to inspire the next generation of, of Star Trekkers, like it, two kids, two young people, teenagers. and yeah. And I can kind of see the correlation between the letter that you guys wrote. And, and you know, some of the reports surrounding her acceptance of the project sounds to me like you guys scored Kate Mulgrew to come back and, and usher in the next generation, like the, connecting these two generations together. That was you.
5: Well, I mean, I'm not going to take credit for that. Honestly, I mean, if it weren't for Alex Kurtzman really, really passionately arguing in favor of Kate being on our show to Kate, I don't think she would have been on it again. You know, when we tried to describe this show to people before they ever could see it um, or, you know, even get more than two episodes into it, the reaction was kind of like, why do I want to watch a kid's show? Like, why do I want to, why do I want to watch something that's gonna, you know, be beneath me or below me. And some people don't like animation, even just for starters, which is, Something that baffles me because we all grow up with it, but some people just kind of move past it, I guess. Um, but the advantages of animation, like I said, was how much we got to do that we could never have done in live action. And I think once Alex explained to Kate really what, what the direction of the show was and how she was going to be really you know, key to helping these young characters find their place in the galaxy, in the larger universe, and that she would have that kind of effect and impact. I think then she realized, oh, I have an opportunity here to speak to another generation of kids. I've already inspired one or two, but I have a chance to do even more, which I think was exciting for her. She talks a lot about it, and I'm always very impressed um i finally got to meet her on star trek day my sister and i finally met her and it was it was she is everything that you would expect she's just so very erudite in her own way she's just very poised um and she is she Jane is janeway she's just great
0: yeah she's a captain like she's she is it's it's almost interesting you know when you when you talk about somebody for a role they, they are playing a role. It's not necessarily representative of who they are, but from everything that I've heard, this role came so naturally to, to Kate Mulgrew that that when you meet her, it's possible to feel like you're actually meeting Captain Janeway, right? Like she's approachable and she's kind and 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 but still carries herself with that kind of confidence that you saw on the bridge of, of Voyager. It's kind of crazy. What was her reaction when she performed or read the script? That had the salamander comment in it. Like did she, oh man. She well, chuckled. We were
5: worried. My sister and I were definitely worried. We weren't there for it, unfortunately. We asked the Hagemans and she definitely got a laugh out of it. She was not uh at all embarrassed about that. I mean, she didn't actually have to speak the line. Um, Brad did. Brad Gray. He was playing Dow. Um, but she thought it was really funny, and she really enjoyed uh our episode because she got to play like four different versions of herself Mm -hmm. um you know she's playing admiral janeway which is sort of the real janeway hologram janeway which is sort of a younger version of her and then you have her playing dal as janeway and her playing dal trying to be janeway so, but failing miserably, so you know it's like <laughs> multiple levels that she's getting to play on, and and then early earlier in the season she got to be kind of what everyone called Goth Janeway,
0: where she got to turn into like the dark yeah hologram. the evil the evil hologram yeah the right? virus
5: infected mm-hmm. one. So she's gotten to do a lot of different stuff on this show, and I think that was also and that was something that once we knew we had her, it was much easier for us to say okay we have all of these ideas for things we can do with her as a character in multiple ways. And so it, it just, it, it allowed us to then execute on a lot of those ideas. I don't want to jam you up, but I need to step away for like five minutes.
0: Sure. But I absolutely
5: love to come back. And I
0: We'd love to have you. As a matter of fact, that that works out perfect. Bubba Joe, we could take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll have more with Shauna Benson from the writer's room and a producer of Star Trek prodigy, uh, a new show just wrapped season one and uh, season two already confirmed. Maybe we will attempt to gloss over what we can look forward to in season two coming up. But I, I've already been told, Bubba Joe, that she is is going to be tight lipped. And, and I was instructed to not even try. <laughs> so that's
5: <laughs> yeah, real tough. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see what we
0: can do. Yeah, Don't, don't even Thanks. try, DJ. We'll take uh, a very quick break when we're back more from the writers' room of Star Trek Prodigy. You're listening to Talking Trek, Star Trek Fleet Command's official podcast. And today, uh, taking a step inside the Star Trek universe, outside of our game, uh, we've got more with uh, producer and writer Shauna Benson right after this. Don't go anywhere.
1: This program is made possible in part by a grant from Might Be Dog. Chunky canned entrees imported from somewhere in the Pacific Rim. Today's
0: show brought to you in part by the Musgrove Trial Firm in Georgia. Have you suffered personal injury in Georgia? You need a buddy. Give buddy at the Musgrove Trial Firm a call. 678-226-1994. Visit them online at musgrovetrialfirm.com. Special thanks today to one of our sponsors, allinadvertising.com. Do you own a business that needs special attention with regards to your online marketing strategy and deployment? Or do you know someone who could benefit from these ever-important services in today's competitive business environment? Well, you can reach out today at allinadvertising.com slash trek. Did you know that if you refer someone to All In Advertising that you can get paid? That's right. You can earn up to 20% of ongoing marketing services in a referral commission just by helping a friend get on their feet with online strategies. Last month, AllInAdvertising.com paid out over $15,000 in referral commissions. And you could buy a lot of packs with your cut. Plus, if you sign up as a business owner today, you can receive 30 free days of PPC management. That's an entire month absolutely free. So whether you own or know someone who does, AllInAdvertising.com is worth the look. Visit AllInAdvertising.com slash TalkingTrek to start earning more
2: today. How many times has this happened to you? You vote for a political candidate because he said he earned a bachelor's degree in economics and finance, worked at a major asset management firm and ran his own real estate business, but then you find out he didn't.
1: Did I embellish my resume? Yes, I did, and I'm sorry.
2: Well, never again with the help of the Santos Political Translation app. When you hear a politician say, Well, now you're going to hear the facts. The Santos app will translate for you to help you understand what the politician was actually saying.
6: Well, now you're not going to hear the facts.
2: So when your favorite politician says, I did not have sexual relations with that woman
6: i did have sexual relations with that woman the
2: santos political translation app i'm very highly educated i know words i have the best words <laughs> to conserve battery power do not use with trump speeches just assume it's a liar. and you'll be safe
0: Everybody. Oh, come on. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Ultimate DJs. You're listening to Talking Trek Live, Star Trek Fleet Command's official podcast today. Bubba Joe with special guest Shauna Benson from the Star Trek Prodigy Writer's Room. Uh, she'll be back with us here in just a couple of seconds, but I, I wanted to point something out if I could, Bubba Joe, uh, real quick, and, and whenever Shauna gets back, she can just kind of pop in. Bubba, uh, I want to look at at her Discord tag here and just kind of take a quick peek there and notice the number sixty-three inside those brackets right there. Could it be that an actual Paramount Plus staffer is playing on Server 63? Just, just throw that out. You know, yeah, playing on sixty-three? That would be that would be interesting, right? Uh I I highly suspect that that she is very much like Ripper and that, that nobody in the game actually knows uh that it's her. <laughs> if, if if it were me, that that's kind of how I would be approaching that I'd be like, yeah, no. Uh, No, why would I don't think- that be interesting? What? What? That she's playing there? Because nobody. <laughs> What's happening with the music? Okay. Nah. What? Why would that not why be would- interesting?
3: <laughs> I- I'm confused why that would be interesting. I guess
0: that 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 she doesn't let people know who she is. Why would she?
4: I think that well- Lube has it. That Lube has it better. Uh, it's because she's Op sixty three. That's not her server number.
0: Oh, Op sixty three. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. that 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 could be um welcome trader appreciate you and Bubba uh good afternoon appreciate it Putz and Mark are on the stage as well and I apologize earlier I had to I had to move some people I don't know what was going on with the sound Karkin is trying to get back up uh and there was something a lot of noise so I just moved everybody off while Miss Benson was here speaking but um there are still a couple of other questions that I've got not not a ton I don't want to keep her all night but you know Bubba there were a lot of references and, and we've talked about some of these before. Trader, you're a big fan of the show, right? I, I think you said that you I, were I a big fan of the show. And we've talked about some of the references that have actually presented. But there are some more references that she even mentioned that were like really deep in the story that, that she always found interest in finding out whether or not people uh, picked up on it or people recognized it for what it was. For example... I'm taking a look at some production material here and I'd love to ask her about this because she said that she's such a huge fan of Star Trek all the way back to the original series. The Diviner, Gwen's father, was actually a character inspired by Ricardo Montalban, uh, Montalban. Khan. Con? Really? Yes, the Diviner, his character, his demeanor. I mean, and really when when you when you hear that, like I wouldn't have made that connection before. 10 minutes ago. But to hear that and then look at the diviner and and say okay, I can see that. Like I can see that. And you know what, as as a writer, I I'm sure, I'd like to ask her this. I'm sure that you don't want to make something so much a copycat that like everyone's like, "Oh, well that's a con rip." But to be inspired by that character and and, and present that character in in a way that that does resemble that original, but then to be unique enough and creative enough that nobody says, oh, well, that's obviously a con rip. You know what I'm saying? That has to probably be like the perfect balance, I would imagine, Trader, to create something that nods, that gives respect and homage to a, a previous property, but still interesting enough and strong enough to stand on its own as a new established character in a Star Trek property. Like, did you, now that you hear it, Trader, can you see can you see the essence of Khan in this character? Because I sure can.
4: I can, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and now that you say that and you start thinking about that character in a different way, you're like, oh, yeah. Yep, I totally get it.
0: Yeah, because you, you think, like, let's talk about, and I'm sorry for spoilers. We'll mark the episode. There are spoilers. But let's talk about what yeah. the, the Diviner is doing. He's acting on behalf of his people. However misguided that may be, he's trying to protect his family, you know? And, and that's not necessarily evil, although the way he goes about it is misguided. Uh, and, and he certainly is the bad guy, right? But, but what's driving the bad guy? Like, we saw... All good- real good bad guys never feel they're the bad guys. Exactly. Like, we've seen a good story background into all of these characters. But we also really got to explore the Diviner. We got to uh, explore Ascensia, all right? Uh, and I feel like, like again, just what an amazing story. Just a good story. There's twists, there's turns, there's lore. There is the feeling of Star Trek. There is the feeling of the Federation. And this, I'm not even kidding you, Trader. 100% hands down, this episode could have been made, or not this episode, this this show, season one, absolutely could have been made into a major motion picture film and, and it would have been successful. The story is good. I agree. Totally agree. And and I wonder when, when she returns, I really do want to ask about like what this property is inspiring. Like what's happening outside of of the writer's room. As a producer, maybe she she is focused in on the show. Maybe there, maybe it's more of a Kurtzman question as to what else is Prodigy going to do? But I'd, I'd like to, to at least ask and see. Like, we already know there's a season two. All right? That's all we know as of now. Season two has been confirmed. Um, is there more? Are there crossovers? Because this does exist within a timeline that we are familiar with. So can it crossover? Can it become part of something else is there other projects are there novelizations and we already know there's a video game trader we bought it we're gonna play it on twitch yeah. there's a there's a video <laughs> game so like what else is coming can we see uh a future that that involves seven seasons because man that would be great it's a great property can like for example if Paramount plus is proud of this property and they should be it now becomes a bona fide Star Trek canon property and series. Does that mean that Paramount and Scopely are going to have to have a conversation towards the end? Uh, Well, probably now, Trader. But but is it possible that we can see something occur inside of Star Trek Fleet Command that might, I don't know, call me crazy, correspond with the launch of Season 2 towards the end of of November this year? It's not beyond the realm of possibility. They've done it. Wouldn't that be funny if Scribbler
3: had to write one of the missions? for Star Trek. For I want to know about that. Story I want to sh- know I
0: if it, I mean, obviously Echo knows who she is. So if Echo knows, so does everybody else over there at Scopely. Has, has Shauna been talked to about her experience? Like, it, it, she's the perfect liaison as a player, as a dedicated player of this game. She is the perfect person. We talk all about, uh, you know, consultation, Trader, and and learning the game and being a part of the game and, and writing narrative and all that stuff. My God, who could be more perfect for it? She plays the game, yeah. and she's involved in the Star Trek universe. Moreover, did you catch what she said? She's been a Star Trek fan since the day she could start watching television. And and her team still performs responsibly and brings in the consultants to make sure that there's nothing overlooked. Not that I want to turn this into a Scopely thing, but I'm just saying. Did, did, did anybody anybody else notice? All right, I noticed. And and I go ahead, Cargan. Oh, I no, I
3: I. Was curious about that too because um TNG, I recall something saying they had so many technical advisors just to have all the, you know, proper words in place when they're talking about certain things. So it didn't sound like so yeah, the fact no, that they listen, utilize the same every features. Almost with, yeah.
0: every studio does that. Anybody who's developing a movie consults with, with the with the topic to make sure that it's not just completely wrong. Uh Bubba, you were the one telling me about the uh, the new Top Gun movie, Maverick. I was looking into that. You know, Maverick uh, actually brought in Air Force pilots. Like, they brought in Air Force pilots, not, by the way, to do all of the flying and do the stunts, but to teach Tom Cruise how to actually fly a plane. You know, Tom Cruise did a lot of his own stuff, not like all of it, but he flew planes. And the studio had the Air Force teach him how to do that. Like, that is what is again, don't want to get into the Scopely piece of this. This is a really great insight into something outside I don't of I know how much the insurance committee.
3: cost for that.
0: <laughs> it's probably crazy. All right. But, but again, taking Scopely out of this piece, like this is an incredibly awesome opportunity to look inside the Star Trek universe. And, and while our scope of conversation is here on Prodigy, it deserves it. It's a fascinating prod- uh, product. It's a fascinating story, and, and I, I hope more people get a chance to, to really fall in love with it because it, it's, it's got a future, and it's a great, it's a great product. I mean, these, these writers, I was surprised to hear, I, and I guess I shouldn't be because I don't know how television works, Trader. I don't know how movies work. I, yeah, I've never been in this kind of show business. I, I don't know. It's just but, there's not a person in the box. There's no one in there. What? What are you talking
3: about? You said you don't know how they work. There's I don't. someone in them.
0: Yeah, no. I know, I know, I know. No. But, I, but I've never really understood the process. There's so many hundreds of people that go into making a show. But, Trader, if I'm, if I'm hearing her right, like, the show starts there. Like, the whole – you can have the – again, <laughs> joking, but with respect. Talk to J.J. Abrams. You can have all of the greatest, most amazing looking things, but if you don't have the story right, you don't have the, the product right. And it sounds to me like the things that we have talked about that we love, Trader, like we're not, as, as adults, we're not looking at how bright the colors are. It's interesting that she talks about that. That proves that she's in the mindset of, of appealing to the younger audience. That's her directive. But Trader, not once have you and I talked about the colors, you know, we're talking yeah. about the story. Yep, absolutely. We're, we're talking about the story. And, and, and this was another thing I, I hope I don't forget. I want to ask her about when she gets back. You know, there have been two clear ways to tell stories inside Star Trek. There's been the episodic format, which was like TNG, like TOS. That was like uh, Voyager to a great to a great extent. That was Strange New Worlds, okay? Uh, but then we've seen season-long story arcs like we have with Discovery, uh, like we kind of have with Picard, even though it stepped a step or two back to episodic a little bit, like with you know the way Picard like psychologically went to his childhood and stuff like that. You had a couple of those traitor that did step off into their own episode, but for the most part, it was very much about the, the overall story. Like, there wasn't a lot of support in the middle. And, and we look at Prodigy, and, and I'm thinking through, and I'm even looking at the episode list right now. Trader, every single episode was in 20 minutes, which is crazy. You know, she talks about how efficient yeah. and, and how concise you got to be. In 20 minutes, they have able, they've been able to successfully deliver a standalone story inside of a season-arcing uh, season story. Like, and you think about how much time you have to dedicate to each of those stories. That's insane. I mean, you guys know I can shoot for a two-hour show and end up going four hours. I can't be concise enough to deliver 20 minutes that, that gets you from point A to point B and gives you the emotion that gives you the the connection, that gives you the intelligible writing and the interactions between the, the cast and the crew and all this stuff. Like, what a talent. What a brilliant mind you've got to be to do essentially two to three individual stories or, or overarching topics in that episode within 20 minutes. 20 minutes is not enough time to do the intro for the show. 20 minutes is not enough for even stupid news. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't do it. All right? It's incredible. So I, I can't wait for her to get back because I've got a couple of those final questions before we get ready to wrap up with her. We will play Battleship. We'll, we'll, well, DJs, Yeah,
4: I have just gotten a huge leak on the upcoming arc. Oh, yeah. And if you're okay with me posting this, I can post it in the graphics room. This is stolen propaganda, <laughs> but... I think everyone will enjoy it. Okay. So it's going up right now.
0: All right. I'm I'm clenching my butt cheeks right this now. This is
4: the this is the bu- this is the upcoming patch notes. <laughs>
0: uh the new USS Quesadilla abilities breaks into four cheesy quarters for your maximum yumminess. That's the new ship. Uh officer abilities uh new officer ability is buff ducat uh ability way stronger than gold ducat um also great at lifting heavy stuff flexing and arm wrestling uh you're gonna get a couple of new missions uh for ops 75 plus with officer buff Ducat take the USS Quesadilla on a delicious journey to destroy lesser meals out there um that actually sounds brilliant ladies and gentlemen that is your January arc
4: now somebody needs to go find obsidian obsidian hamster because I hit him over the head to get this He's lying in a in a hallway somewhere
0: crying.
6: <laughs>
0: Wait, it's not our launch day yet. Yeah, he's usually no, in the hallway crying. That's that's when, hall, cra- <clears throat> that's when he sits in a hallway that's right. crying. That's when he sits in the hallway crying.
4: Yes, usually I'm not the one making poor hamster cry.
0: Uh, shout out real quick. Oh, is that's my job. <laughs> It, yeah, sure. by to get Listen, that. hamster, hamster and Bubba yeah, Joe sure. are friends. I got finger quotes in the air. They're friends, okay? Uh, as in Bubba, but yeah, Bubba abuses him on a daily basis, and he pretends to like it. All right, that's. <laughs> I, mean,
2: I mean, hamster
0: remembers my birthday. Oh no! I can't say that about anyone on my on the stage. Oh crap!
4: I don't uh, even know when your birthday d- yeah, is. Yeah, d-
0: do I know when your birthday is? Yes, you do. Oh. Sugar. is it today all right i'm going to put it it's not my, today i'm going to put it in my oh, phone right okay. now tell, tell me what it is oh just text it to me if you don't want to tell anybody out loud or or pm okay. it you can pm it oh, oh did i miss oh, oh, oh. it did i miss it oh yeah, can you also tell us your mother's maiden name well, and your favorite yeah. dog <laughs> i <laughs> also those, need your social security digits. number well, so security i can deliver number. your gift
4: i feel like i feel like i need to say happy belated birthday but i don't know when your birthday actually is so you know
0: i feel like i feel like he's he's driving that that prod right there to point out that that we've missed it trader i think you're right yeah i'm going with that we uh, yesterday man. we're
4: going to go, with happy, ha- birthday, gonna go with happy belated birthday <laughs> was, was it, was it happy y- belated birthday we do love you
0: was it yesterday by chance
3: uh it was not yesterday by chance
0: uh 2 days ago yes 2 days ago on Janu- january, january birthday, 2nd Bubba. january 2nd okay See, i even came on twitch so you could you know tell me in person <laughs> I mean, honest <laughs> to goodness, I, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't He
4: can't remember to pick his kid up from daycare How can he remember your birthday? I
0: didn't yeah. actually know, but now that I do we I have can a hard time remembering my own birthday We can celebrate, community I didn't know, but now I do So happy birthday, Baba Joe! Happy birthday,
6: happy birthday <laughs>
0: Yay See, I hey, wrote. So I play. wrote this for him too.
1: Happy, happy I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Hold on. There's a lot. There's a line about the uh, about G7 coming up. Hang on. Remember
1: always, always I got such a, fright.
0: a fright about G7. And he wants the ship, and, and he I wants that you, ship, and he I needs, you, ship, and and he needs ten you. million, Matts. <laughs> <best>. He <laughs> needs the <laughs> ship because <laughs> he wants it all, and he wants it right now. So, what did Scopeley do for your birthday? I mean, as as influential as you are, yeah. You, if anybody should know their birth, your birthday, yeah. Scopely. I mean, did you get like a birthday card or an email or anything like that from them? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't
3: have very high expectations. They, uh, they just said happy birthday.
0: Uh, you know what? It's you know not what like
3: gonna... it's not like it's not like some people who you know what, get Mimi? a shout out from community managers. You know, live in a uh, like other people.
0: See, here's the problem, Bubba Joe. You don't even recognize the gifts that you've been given, all right? You're, you're so – I mean, dude, incursions were canceled already, okay? That's not yep. good enough for you? <laughs> no, no, hey. I mean, come on. Don't don't use the C Let's word. Let's be
3: honest. They were postponed.
0: They were moved so that you didn't have to play incursions on the date of your physical birth, Okay. Like, that's now I get it.
4: But DJs, DJs, let's be honest. The real gift to Bubba Joe
3: is the gift of our presence. Mm -hmm. You guys are messed up. You got to celebrate the day you were conceived, not the day you were born.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is the big celebration day, isn't it? (laughs) Ah.
4: I was dropped off by a stork. Nobody's going to convince me otherwise. Happy Conception
0: Day (laughs) to your parents as well. All right. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's that's turned into something dark and disgusting at the very <laughs> it was time. the last happy yeah, day. that, day, that went in a really bad <laughs> direction really quickly. it did i apologize i'm sorry um, um so but DJ, i actually one but, other? i actually sorry i have to go dj i told you i may not be able to make it the show but i gotta go again so. yeah that's okay uh, you got legos you guys have fun I, I have other things to do. We'll talk about so, the Vidar A uh, after Bubba's gone because I'm, I'm 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 afraid. Yeah, right. That's
3: right. And and if I get teamed again, gone. I'm just coming right back here to send in my resignation. <laughs> twelve
0: new special currencies. <laughs> uh, oh no, there's more than twelve.
4: Um, just a uh, gentle reminder: <laughs> you wanted uh, Lube to do a quick something.
0: Yeah, I do. I and it's, and it's we are getting
4: late his time.
0: Yeah, and we're at that time, but but. Uh, Let's see. Shauna just sent me a message and said just a couple oh. of minutes.
4: Oh, here she's back.
0: Oh, no, she's been on the stage, but I don't know if she's actually back. Are, are you back, Shauna? No, not yet. She sent me a PM and said, I need a couple okay. of minutes. I got an emergency issue. Now, I don't know if that's going to be like a real couple of minutes or like, you know, a DJ's couple of minutes. Or a DJ minutes. couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I tell you what, I, I'm just going to – here. here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to PM her and just say interrupt – in, in, inter, uh, how do you spell interrupt oh clearly there must be two r's because that's got a red line under it okay there you go interrupt me when you get back i'm gonna waste time on other silly things okay and actually that's not really uh, fair at all because crazy enough we we have talked about this um and and i have invited them to come and talk and and we've actually put it off one show um there was a uh a a content creator that created an amazing tool, Trader. I don't know how much you used it, but I used the heck out of it, man. And I used it always on stream. Um, that would have been Spox Spock's Club, Spock's.club. That website was incredible and, and kind of revolutionary. It, it was about as revolutionary to Star Trek fleet commanders as SDFC.space. It was incredibly uh, awesome, v- uh, a ton of, of data and everything that, that you could learn from that engine. And, uh, and sadly, it's been taken offline. Now, I am not prepared to, to comment or speculate on, on anything related to that. It's just not here right now. Um, I have sent communications to the author and creator of Spox.club, and And unfortunately, my concern grows by the day, trader, because I have not received a response and um, oh
4: that's
0: no good no I hope
4: everything's okay I
0: hope so too I mean now listen when he took he did take a break um uh I guess maybe two months ago he had a massive personal commitment to handle with work he had a huge project uh, at work and a a big uh, piece of his job and and he even told me he's like listen I'm probably going to miss this arc because I just have a massive commitment I've got a ton of work to do, and, and obviously my client gets all of me, and I don't have time to do this. And obviously, I was like, yeah, do whatever you got to do, man. Um, what I fear is, uh, aside from you know something may t- something terrible may have happened. Aside from that, I, I also lightly and uh, lightheartedly and jokingly fear that he that he broke the addiction and has just decided not to come back. Um, although I I do I do feel that that he would have communicated. Uh, because he knew Rev Deuce very well, um, he did know uh, me decently well. We had channels in which we could communicate because his tool was so incredible. And he has not been responsive to to myself or Rev, and so that does concern me. And now the the website has gone offline, which you know he was hosting this himself. Like this was this was a personal a personal yeah, project. So so the computer has unplugged or the internet has gone out, which, which again may not be a thing, but it also just worries me because he was a great individual and I feel confident that, that he would have told us if he was planning on retiring. So I am very worried, but I've, I've done everything I could do. I know his real name. Uh, I've sent an email. I've tried to, uh, to reach out to him. Of course, here on discord, I've tried to reach him through some of the other platforms that we share I sent him a letter. The only thing I don't have, Trader, is an actual phone number, and I can't call him that way. So I, I, I do grow concerned, and I hope we've demonstrated some pretty amazing things as a community. I hope that you guys will uh, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Hopefully this is, you know, nothing major and just still a part of his work project. Maybe he doesn't even know that the server is offline because he hasn't been on Discord, and, and hopefully that's all fine. And and he will eventually, he'll eventually uh, pop his head in for for a quick communications update. But uh, in the meantime, for concern uh, or for the for the concern that I might have that that something more serious may have happened, just uh, you know, I've seen it from you guys. Maybe throw out some positive vibes, okay? <clears throat> throw out some positive vibes and some good well wishes, and and let's hope that that everything is okay. Uh, that being said. Yeah, for sure. That being said, there has been some, some players who have really found themselves scared, right, um, because there's not a tool to give them what they are used to being able to get. That being said, and, and I, I'll try not to delay much later because I know it is late. Um, let's see, when did he – five hours. So, yeah, it's 11.30 his time right now. Uh, and we're going to get to them in a moment. Uh, in a moment, Shauna just messaged me that she is back. So we'll, we'll ask a few more questions because I'm fascinated by this. But Lube and Stewie do you guys know them. They developed the STFC officer tool. They were actually working on a battle log parser way back when, Trader. But then uh, Spox Club came out and they kind of just said, well, you know, that's pretty good. And there's no sense in duplicating our efforts. We'll continue to work on the officer tool. Uh, and then, of course, now recent events have uh, encouraged them to revisit their battle log parser, and I, I believe they have it ready. And so uh, I told them that I wanted to give them an opportunity to come and, and kind of explain how it works, although it'll be tough without a screen. We are also going to hopefully be able to demo that for you on Twitch tomorrow night so you guys can actually see the new battle log parser and how it's working and what information and stuff you'll be able to get out of it. So uh, we'll be able to, to talk about that. Uh, a little bit here in a little bit, and then hopefully uh, a little bit more tomorrow. But in the meantime, uh, Miss Shauna has returned. Thank you so very much for being here uh, today on the show. If you're just tuning in, Miss Benson is a producer and writer for the Nickelodeon Paramount Plus joint venture that is Star Trek Prodigy. One of the newest and arguably uh, really dag- maybe maybe top three? Top two, maybe? It's a very good show. Take it. Very, very good show. And Miss Shauna Benson has joined us today on the stage of Talking Trek to talk a little bit about Prodigy, how the, the show came to be, what their responsibilities were, and what it was like to work with legends. Gates McFadden. Yeah. Kate Mulgrew. All right. It's uh the, they, What's that?
5: Noble. I mean, there are some really great actors. Oh, we for sure. Get, and there will probably be more to come.
0: I would imagine so. As a matter of fact, I did have this question, which is probably not super relevant, but this is a crew of children, right? Kids mm-hmm. that were in a terrible situation and, and kind of found themselves in a, in a way to escape. And by doing so, they found the USS Protostar. Now... I have always been fascinated by this, Shauna, when you when you look, even live action. Like, you look at somebody and how they're able to look so much younger than what they are. Like, like Tom Holland is a great example. He is a high schooler on screen, but isn't the dude, like, 30? Like, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a grown man. All right, so my question was this. We've got a, a cast of kids, and I know this happens with a ton of properties out there, but... How young is the youngest cast member representing one of the primary crew?
5: Uh I believe Riley Alzaraki who plays Rock Talk is 10 or 11. Also oh, she's um, actually a kid. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was definitely designed that way. We wanted at least one young person voicing one of the voicing Rock Talk in particular uh, because we wanted that you know, it's it's a funny thing, right? When you first meet Rock Talk as a Bacar and you don't understand the language, she comes off sounding like a rah, like a monster.
0: monster. Yeah. Right?
5: Yeah. And then you get her into the universal translator and suddenly she has the voice of a 10 year old girl. Uh, and that that was something that, I mean, amused us. But it also served the larger purpose of for kids teaching that lesson of not judging appearances uh, or first impressions. So uh, that I think was was intentional. Um, the other roles I mean Ella and, and Brad are pretty young but they're they're older than teenagers. Um, they were left kind of open. Uh, the only one that we I think we really had in our head uh, was Jason Mansukas and that was totally just because we really really hoped he would do it. And we couldn't help ourselves from writing Jankum Pog in his voice a little <laughs> bit, um, because it just it made it just made perfect sense to us all. Um, but other than him, nobody really knew who was going to play all of these roles. And Riley isn't really new to acting. Her dad, um, Carlos Alzaraki, is well known in in voice acting circles. Um, he has done a lot of amazing characters, um, particularly on Nickelodeon. So she was already kind of sort of in the family, but she definitely follows in her dad's footsteps. She is
0: excellent. The cast that you guys put together for this is actually really, really impressive. You know, we we've talked about this with like other shows and, and things like this in the past Traitor, but <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I got a I got a fuzzy throat but when you have been able and I'm sure this was this had to have been part of your intent uh, tell me a little bit about the thought process behind creating these people creating these characters and and writing them in such a way that it was literally impossible not to become emotionally invested into any of these characters like I was thinking at the beginning okay there's one or two characters that I'm really not kind of connecting with um and and you know that's just going to be like a supporting character. But as the, as the season progressed, every single one of these characters became really important and not just important in their role, but important to the crew and important to the story. And therefore they became important to me as a viewer. And I can't, and and I know this is going to sound silly, but how many times have you guys watched something and gotten used to something and then a voice changes or, or a cast or something happens and they get recast or something like that. Uh Shauna, I now, having watched one singular season of your work, cannot imagine any of these characters being anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like they were cast yeah. so well and, and like their mannerisms and their emotions and the way that they're communicating with their with their team and and you know the other uh characters in the show like just their voices absolutely match what you would expect them to be or or maybe not but now they maybe maybe you didn't expect it to be that but their voices actually now are their their personality these voice actors that you've got i I don't know if they could have been cast any more perfect
5: i don't i don't think they could have uh we were at least around during the early stages of the casting. And that was also something that we were kept pretty advised of. Even after we were wrapped in the room and had all, you know, locked down for COVID, we were still getting emails from the showrunners, kind of updating us on who they got, whose deals had closed, who they'd put offers out to. So it, it, there weren't a lot of other people. I mean, early on there was, it was, it was pretty wide open. And so we talked a lot about these characters and, you know, the great thing about a really talented voice actor and different than someone who appears on screen and not everyone who is a, an actor, you know, in a visual medium can really translate to, uh, you know, animation because they may not have the most, you no know, vibrant or distinctive voice. You know, Jason Mancus does have a very distinctive voice, so it works for him. Um, and almost all of our actors have appeared in some kind of uh, uh, visual medium. Um, I don't know if Riley has, but uh, Angus McEmory My sister and I saw him in *The Kid Who Would Be King* as a young Merlin. Uh, the older version of Merlin being played by Patrick Stewart, and we just thought he was perfect for Zero, and so we we submitted him <laughs> as our as our wish on our wish list, um, and then he did it, which was great. And John Noble was one of those on a very very short list of actors for the Diviner. Um, he gave a really great interview that I really eased me a lot because I just. I didn't have a lot of contact with the actors while they were uh, doing their voice work um, because of where we were and everything being shut down. But he definitely bought the diviner. He understood what we were doing with that character. And it's it's partly because he's played a wide range of of characters who are you know, bad or evil, seemingly, and then they make a turn to the good or some that go downhill in the other direction. You know, he's played kind of innocent and dark. You know, I loved his work on Fringe. Um, That was was definitely an an impact in my mind for having him on the show, was that he knew that he could be menacing um you know he's Denethor too so you know we knew he could play menacing but we weren't a hundred percent on like where he would come with the character but that's on us as the writers to really you know inform those performances and it's not dictating it's not saying you should say the line like this there's some directing there are voice directors who um you know kind of help with fighting performance. Uh, my sister and I wrote a couple of episodes of a newer *Eman man and the Masters of the Universe. So not the Kevin Smith one, Ooh. but the one that's actually geared toward kids. I love that. <laughs> and she and I wrote a couple of those episodes after Prodigy. And we did get to sit on, on the um, recording for those. And it was done over Skype. And so we got to see Tom Kenny, who, of course, is the legendary voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, the voice for uh this version of Orco, which is actually kind of a robot in the newer version of this he-man um and it, that was amazing like you get to you're actually watching somebody like top of their game one of the best in the business you know saying the lines you write and there's there's really almost nothing better than that at least for us you know it's very gratifying um but i couldn't imagine anybody else playing these characters at this point.
0: They've this point. done they've done a really really good job and and especially as you're talking about uh Riley just what would you say 8 years old, 10 years old?
5: Yeah, yeah, she's Oops. very young. I think what she was voicing initially she was probably like yeah, 9, 8 or 9.
0: Well, she did a great job. Holy cow. Like i mean that yeah. character is probably has become one of my favorite characters throughout the entire show, just the way that that character has grown and evolved I mean it is Star Trek, right? the pursuit of science and knowledge and and being a nerd and and not even you know just being fascinated by love it it's like walking up to, to a Star Trek buffet is how that character was was presented, and Riley presented that character so well that's yeah, really yeah and impressive.
5: we you were, we were asking her to do some really challenging things for someone at that age i mean we have an episode where it's um it's called time amok and it was episode eight and it's really where you get our version of a star trek uh timey-wimey like real not not related to our main plot but just like you know uh, a single episode where something hinky is going on like remember me where dr crusher is you know, trapped in a warp bubble and is existing in a pocket universe and stuff like that. So in this version of our timey whiminess, we had the protostar, um, hit with a, uh, you know, some energy or whatever that, but essentially what it does is we were doing a little bit of cause and effect for TNG. That was definitely an influence. This idea that you were headed to, uh, an endpoint where you were probably gonna explode, but all of the kids in different parts of the ship were stuck in their own time streams where they were traveling at different speeds. So someone was in a really, really fast version of that, and then somebody else was in a super slow. And for us, Riley was the one we ended up with, you know, rock talk is going to be in the slowest timeline. That means that time is going to pass for her, even though it's only like 15 seconds in real time for us. Like for her, that 15 seconds takes an, an a large amount of time, mm-hmm. which we did not talk about how much time it was, but it is enough. She learned a lot of science in order to restore uh, hologram Jane Way and learn a lot about you know, quantum physics and uh, yeah, work. Yeah, that
0: episode was powerful. And, that episode was yeah. really powerful because I, I, I was thinking back uh, as you were talking. I don't remember if you did talk about the amount of time, but it was a long time. Because We just
5: say it was too long. She was, she was alone. Was, she was alone too mm-hmm. long. Like she made her own little Murph stuffy and yeah, she was she, watching them, you know, as they were trying to figure out that, that uh, riddle from the beginning of the episode with the, Bag of grain and the chicken and the fox, you know, getting them across the river and all of that. Like she was watching that over again, you know, and just to, she could kind of still be with the rest of them because she wasn't. So, you know, we had to tell Riley, like, you're going to come out of that. And most people, like in any other show, it would kind of get forgotten. And our show isn't that kind of a show. Like this is an experience that changes that character in very subtle ways, at least initially, but it also shows her resilience because she was able to endure all of that for the amount of time that she was there, um, and waiting to, you know, fix the problem and then get back everybody into the regular time stream. So it was, you know, it it was, uh, it was a challenging thing, but we were committed to the idea that like, happen on this show and they have consequences which is what you do in any live action show for the most part you know sitcoms the Simpsons can run for you know a hundred years because those characters don't have to change right you can and even lower decks to a, a degree those characters are playing to their type their archetype Our characters are growing and learning and changing you know most people hate Dal, when you first meet him because he's cocky and he's brash and he's kind of annoying and i saw it a lot online like oh i hate Dal. he's just <laughs> so annoying trader and left I was the stage like,
0: but i said the same thing in the beginning i said listen he was not my favorite like it just his yeah. personality and i worried about that because i knew he was going to be the captain you know he yeah, was and, your and, leader I,
5: and he was the one you did not want to be the captain. Right. Yeah. Like you're looking at them and going, uh, of all these kids, he's the one that should not be a captain. But that was that was the arc. You know, we, we create these arcs for these characters, you know, the place where they start and the place we want them to sort of land. And every the the way of building character arcs and writing, you know, for television is that you have an overall season arc. And not just for the story, but for the characters. And then within each episode, there's an arc. There should be. There should be a beginning point for that character and an end point. And there should be some change or some slight difference. Um, if you're telling a story that has real consequences and stakes going forward, because otherwise, then you don't really. That's what gets you to care about those characters. What, makes you care about them is that you see that these changes and you want to protect them to some degree too and they're doing all of this on their own you know hologram janeway is kind of a stand-in for us as the audience to some degree she can help she can guide but she can't do it for them and in fact she even works against them at times unbeknownst to her and and that's you know the, the last thing that she would want, you know, as someone who's, who really does feel for these characters. Um, but that's that's kind of the nature of what we do.
0: And, and again, I, I kind of just come back to the story, which is what you had a direct handle on. It's so good. We were talking right as we were coming back from break about, you had mentioned in the last segment about how some of the Trek properties have moved to like, all right, 12 episodes telling one story, right? There could be little things <clears throat> inside of an episode that gave insider into a little bit of a backstory, but like the the main story is in fact, you know, the just the the whole thing, right? The whole season. All those episodes, like in Discovery, even in Picard have done that. Then you have others like what you grew up with, the original TNG, the original TOS, uh, even leading forward into um Voyager, gosh, I'm dying here, uh, where, where, and, and even Strange New Worlds, where they are very episodic. And it seems like the Star Trek community as a whole have really responded well to Strange New Worlds and that it was very episodic with minor story elements that, that were the overarching span instead of it being the main focus. I feel like you guys struck a brilliant balance because in every single episode, there was... A self-contained story but you still found time to contribute to you know the overall story which really for the most part involved the diviner's plot so can you tell us just for a minute or two about the the balance because you said it earlier you only got yeah. 20 minutes so yeah. how what does that formula look like like is there is there a formula are you just kind of going with what the story lets you go with with as far as available time how much do you dedicate to to quote-unquote, I'm sure it's not the right word, but character development or or subplot development as compared to the the entire 20 episodes that you're trying to deliver?
5: Well, again, so if you look at what you're doing with a character over the course of the season, and you sort of identify tent poles for that character, so just taking Dal, because he's... Kind of of, you know, he and Gwen are kind of the leads of the show, and his arc is probably the most clear of everybody's. But everybody does have an arc, and you can track it through all of the episodes. But Dal's in particular, starts out as this annoying kid, and then a little over half, well, actually, literal halfway of the first half of the season. So episode five, which is the one my sister and I wrote on the first half of the show, uh, Terror Firma. Um, You start to crack the door open a little bit on him and you start to get him being a little bit more vulnerable and letting his guard down a little bit and connecting with Gwen Uh, and and so some of his bravado starts to fall away and by the time you get him all the way through all of the episodes you realize that a lot of that early bluster was because he had this huge inferiority complex right i mean you learn a lot about the fact that he you know nandi rengi pirate who kind of adopted him and used him <laughs> i wouldn't say she raised him because it was not that kind of a relationship and but it 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 definitely was not a nurturing relationship and he has no parents or none that he knows of. And then when he learns what he really is, it's a real gut punch for him because it sort of confirms all of his worst fears, which is that he is lesser than, you know, that he doesn't have an identity. And it doesn't
0: belong own. anywhere.
5: Yeah. Which, which kind of then
0: st- like led yeah. into the story of like, okay, let's, Let's go to the Federation. Like, let's go to Starfleet. And that kind of became their singular goal. All of them together coming together yeah. and, and wanting to get to the Federation. And that's where you guys started really teaching about the Federation. Like I said, it was just so well-engineered. And, and I wonder, obviously, you guys know what you're doing. You're professionals. But it, it's, it's mind-bending to think about all of the mechanics you're trying to deliver as a writer in, in 20 minutes. Like it's a yeah. it 10 or 20, 20 minute segments. You've you've actually developed a, a major motion picture in 20 I mean, minute what's, chunks.
5: What's the, the benefit of having a writer's room, honestly, is that we are each other's sounding board. So, I mean, from the moment we start talking about an episode, we don't always know who's going to write that episode. So, and And that's... Probably the best way to do it because then you don't have people trying to jockey for certain stories or whatever that does happen in some writers rooms that i've been in where people want to write a specific episode and then they kind of don't really contribute as much as they should uh for the rest of the episodes because they get really hyper focused on their own um but in this case we were invested all of us invested in every single episode and even after you write it it would come back to all of us in the room and we do a table read, which is not something I had a lot of experience with on other shows. This was a, this was a unique experience, but again, it was the benefit of having and luxury of time, you know, that it wasn't going to be produced for quite a long time. So we could sit there and all of us take a character and read through the script and, you know, do punch up on jokes and also track characters and make sure that we're servicing all of them in some way and if they don't maybe get a lot to do in the episode that we're talking about right now we're going to get a lot to do in the next episode or they'll be featured very heavily you know two episodes before or after the one that we're in but that's the way that it's easy to sort of keep a, keep track of all those things you know, there are a lot of moving parts and we definitely did some backward engineering at times too where we said oh, what if we did this thing? Uh, the, the best ver- uh, example of this is Dal as an augment. Um, we knew that Dal was going to have this sort of uh, unique origin story. And then once it became clear that we were really talking about a, a human-based life form that is augmented with the DNA of 26 other alien species... we started talking about well what is the history of augments in the star trek universe and it really is kind of the last prejudice that sort of exists you know in this day and age they've overcome a lot in terms of gender and race and uh you know sexuality and even though we don't talk about those things in specific in prodigy i mean we do have a medusan who is a non-binary character um and so we don't have to talk about that stuff. It just is. You know, Zero is what they are, right? And mm-hmm. and and kids get it, right? Like, I think kids can b- wrap their brain around it a lot better than some of their adults and their parents can. But he would definitely talk through and make sure that every character had something cool to do or say in every episode, if possible. And if not in in, in any large amount in a specific episode, certainly over the course of the whole season you did feel you you understood them and you got their story.
0: Even Murph who never spoke a word. even Murph yes even Murph who was a great character um, let me uh, let me ask a question from the community here as we get ready to wrap up I thank you so much for your time. First of all, we were late to get to you and now you've stayed over uh, the time that, that you told us that you could be here but this is a great question. Uh, and there are a lot of them in the chat, and I, I'm I apologize, I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but I got to pick out uh, Johnny Five's question because it is a really important decision to be made. Shauna, every captain has their like their iconic phrase, so <laughs> yeah, we are curious how you guys did the same thing. Mean, you. That phrase defines literally almost every captain in Star Trek, all right? And Dall's was equally unique and emphatic. It fits his character wonderfully. And, and the way that you guys made it, his quote-unquote captain's phrase, it was just like the very first time I heard it, I I, I think I almost got goosebumps. And then the second time I heard it like it was for sure. That was his. You guys cemented that for him as a Star Trek captain. How much thought went into Go Fast?
5: A little and then none. I mean a lot and then none. <laughs> it's sort of like we knew that this is an important thing and we debated a lot about what goes into this. Like what what does a character how did they come to that, right? You know, whether Picard is saying, make it so, or engage, or, you know, uh, it, it was important to make sure that we were really capturing something that is basic and essential to the character with it, but also, yeah, putting a spin on it, making it kind of unique. I mean, Dal's a kid, he's a teenager. And for us, it was like, well, he wouldn't know any real term on terminology like he wouldn't know any of that stuff he'd just be a kid and what do you want to do when you're a kid do you want to go fast one two three go fast and that kind of kept sticking with us was this idea that he just you know they needed to be getting where they were going as fast as possible and they're in the you know arguably the fastest ship that has ever existed in star trek continuity so yeah it kind of made sense to us. And I, so it was sort of like, it, it kind of snuck up on us. We knew it was important. We had some kind of placeholdery things for a little while, but then when it, it kind of came out, it just stuck. And we were like, yeah, this is it.
0: It was a good stick for those of you in the audience who have watched the show. How many of you guys may, maybe the, the hairs on your arms stood up just a little bit when you, when you heard go fast for the first time, like that was that to me was a really defining moment for him as a character, because it also didn't come until I feel like maybe he had earned it, you know? And, and maybe I'm really, that was the other
5: thing too. We didn't want to like hit it too early and make it because it could, it could be done in a way that's really cheesy. Right. And it had to feel like something authentic to the character. Um, and you know, like I love hit it, right. You know, <laughs> you know, Pike's hit it, you yeah. know, is, is very, you know, like one for the money, two for the road, you know, two yeah. for the show. And I, I feel like that is definitely in keeping with his sort of like free fret, freeform jazz attitude as a captain. Um, there's just something about him that is a little looser and a lot of the other Starfleet captains we've seen, but, that's not to not take him seriously and he can change that meaning of hit it just by the intonation and here it was not as much about that it was very much about what is it that this 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 kid would naturally you know default to which is i I just need you to go like i i was surprised that it's it, it it worked as well as it did but like we had dal in janeway's body and of course eight mogers doing all of those lines but at one point we ha- they're shooting you know they're firing at the protostar to try to take out the shields and he's like oh, quit it like stop quit it and i was like because that's what a kid would say a yeah. kid wouldn't go you know cease firing or anything that is you know more practiced and uh, you know understood by all of us he would just say quit it like somebody's trying, like somebody's trying to hit you on your shoulders. I'm like, hey, stop that. So that's kind of consistent with where we had had him, you know, in terms of his you
0: know, uh, well, language. Well, the the show. I mean, every piece of it. You you could think about this for hours, and 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 you have right. We could think about this for hours and and look at any little piece of something we liked or didn't like, and and it was something you guys thought of. Like there wasn't anything here that just happened or was there, was there a moment in this season that just accidentally happened? And you guys were like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a happy accident. Uh, there
5: was, there was something, uh, I, I heard it. Somebody was talking about something on a podcast. I'm sorry. It's so vague, but I, um, it, it escapes my mind at the moment, but I remember laughing when I heard it because they were like, this had to be intentional And I was like, I don't think we intended that. I mean, if that worked for you, that's awesome. But it was just one of those things where you, you start reading meaning into every single thing that you see in every decision. And yes, we made a lot of very conscious, purposeful choices. Again, 22 minutes. We have to do everything we can to be as efficient as possible to pack in the amount of story that we wanted to tell for the show. So it wasn't just gags and slapstick, but it was there. We had some, and we also had some depth and we had serious moments and we had adventure and we have action and fights and everything that you would expect in a Star Trek show, but in half the time. So it, there were moments where things were just kind of happy accidents. Um, And I think it was late in the game. It was it was like either in our episode or the one right before it, there was something that, that, that was on screen. And it, and I got asked about like, oh, all of the different ships and you guys use the centaur in that scene. And I'm like, dude, I had no idea what ships were going to be parked out there in, you know, the Alpha Quadrant when uh, the Protostar shows up to their destination. That was the animators. Like that was the director. That was them... We had one guy who was, like, totally a nerd for the starships, and he was a big fan of the kit bash, And so we knew that there were probably going to end up being some deep cuts, um, but he really, like, loved the Sovereign class and the centaur and... You know, there were all of these other ships that showed up.
0: Yeah, the Defiant was there.
5: For a surprise to me. The Defiant was a huge surprise to me, but it made total sense. Like, that was the thing. Like, I was like, yeah, there's no reason the Defiant couldn't be there. Um, And and, and whether there were other Defiant-class ships, but they actually used the actual Defiant. Yes, they did. I was really impressed because they established some stuff in the canon. I mean, we, we always knew we were making canon that was made clear to us because we weren't sure because the original animated series uh aired after original series got canceled you know that has the terrible you know choppy animation style and is super cheap but it has all their voices that was you know all almost all of that is considered not canon and and gene was even somebody who said that's not canon so when we came in, we were worried that we weren't gonna be canon. And they said, Oh no, whatever you're doing, it it work it's in the timeline with all of the other shows. Everything is canon if it's on screen. And we're like, cool, we're gonna do some stuff. And this show will be as impactful to Star Trek Canon going forward as it has you know, as all the other shows
0: Which is a great segue. Shauna, into my, my, one of my last two questions for you. Talk to us about now that you guys are an established product, you got a season in it. it uh, I'm assuming was very successful. I mean, the numbers that I've looked at, you know, for it to be even on a kid's network, like I I've seen, <laughs> I've seen Nickelodeon selling adult products on the channel, uh, like when they were airing this, and then of course you know the product placement and stuff with uh with the the pre uh pre stream advertisements and stuff uh on paramount plus and and things like that this uh seemingly has been a a successful project for paramount and Nickelodeon. Do you have insight that you can offer i'm not gonna push you as hard as I do echo because I know he can tell us stuff you you are dealing with a multi-billion dollar corporation. So uh, only with what you are comfortable or able to share, but can you give us a glimpse into the future of Prodigy?
5: Um, here's what I can tell you. And and to be honest, there's not a lot I can tell you because my sister and I were not on season two.
0: Um,
5: unfortunately, we were not able to go back to the show Uh when it got its pickup for season two, because we were developing a couple of projects um, with producers for ourselves to run, unfortunately, neither of them worked out, but that was why we couldn't go back to the show at the time. But I can tell you that we talked extensively about things that would happen in a second season. A lot of which has been set up in the two part finale But also little pieces have been dropped through the entire season that add up to, you know, where the show is going. You know, the obvious questions that you're left with at the end of the first season are where or when is Chakotay and how Mm -hmm. do we get to him? Yes, And, uh, you know, what's going to happen to these kids? There we don't. Spoilers. They may have to use a different ship than the one they came in on.
0: I and, wondered about uh, that because now that that <laughs> now that Starfleet's got their baby back, like they're not just going to send these six kids out on this ship anymore. You know, like okay, I mean, well we, we appreciate you finding it for us. You all go have fun. You know, like all those all- <laughs>
5: ships took a beating. You know, and uh, including the Dauntless, which I was was another thing i was really proud about that we we were trying to figure out what ship it was it started out life that they were going to be chased by riker and the titan i don't think anybody's mentioned that so maybe don't spread that around but (laughs) uh, because riker was playing such a pivotal role in uh lower decks we were like well we can't double up on that oh wait we have the perfect foil it's the real janeway so then that actually worked better for us and then we were like but what ship does she have and we went through ship names like you wouldn't believe. We went through the different classes. And then one day I just was like, you know, if we're... If the ship is a personification of the type of work it's doing or the job or the personality of the captain, she's the dauntless because she is pulling out all the stops to find her former first officer, Captain Chicote. And so I was like... Why don't we just make it the dauntless you know they took all that info back from their experience in the delta quadrant and the fake starfleet ship and it would feel like a total like gainway thing to do is sort of you know you own the thing that almost owned you and uh you know make a real dauntless and learn you know backward engineer this the quantum slipstream drive and put it on that ship and then go take that out so i i I thought that was a really good answer for us, but um, yeah, I, (laughs) I kind of can go in different directions with this answer, but like, yeah, the uh, forward path of the show is kind of set. We've got some characters going in some different directions um, than maybe was expected, but that doesn't mean you're losing anybody. So um, the, the, you know the characters you have at the end of the season are the characters you'll see in season two. They haven't gotten a season three pickup yet, which is what they're really waiting on because at this point they're well into the animation of uh, the second season, and so they probably need to make that decision soon.
0: Gosh, I can't. I can't imagine. I, it would be it would be heartbreaking if they didn't. So everybody needs to go and check it out. Download it. Download it a bunch of times, share it, and you know what? Watch it with your kids because it's actually good. It's a good show, you know. And and I, I think once you once you really get invested into these characters, which takes a, an episode or two at the beginning, you're learning these guys are strangers. They're strangers to you in the beginning, but I'll, I'll tell you, after having watched 20 episodes, Shauna, those first like the at least the first episode, probably the first two, man, they are so important to. The reactions, like, like Dow, we talk about how he's just a punk kid. But what has that kid been through in his life? And we get into that uh, a little bit later when he learns about his background and then he's also, you know, trying to get to the Federation and he learns about how they would allegedly look at him, you know, and, and it be, kind of becomes a really important piece that's set up because how would you react if you were 16 years old and, and basically lived your entire life in, in slave labor? You know, so it it was it was really important. Those episodes were tough for me, Shauna, to get through because I hadn't Mm -hmm. connected yet. But man, as soon as I did, and that's because
5: the expectation for adults was Star Trek, and kids, for the most part, don't have any expectation. They don't know Star Trek, so it's an easier buy for a young audience because they're just meeting these characters and then they're going to learn about the Star Trek universe along with those characters. So we always knew it was going to be a little bit of an uphill battle with some of the hardcore Trek fans, but being hardcore Trek fans ourselves, we were like prepared for that (laughs) and we were ready to, you know, throw down if anybody wanted us to throw down about any of it. And I think Aaron in particular has sort of proven his, His credentials, especially on Twitter, he answers a lot of questions. He's very uh, responsive to fans and viewers. Um, Something else I was going to say about it, and I've forgotten what it is, but that's okay.
0: Well, mission accomplished for you guys. A fantastic product, fantastic story, and and I think it's been very, very respectful of lore that all the other characters and the cameos that came in and. And the way that you integrated that, um, still, I, I, I know that you were a part of it. I don't know if you got the credit, but I, I, th- I still think Kobayashi was definitely one of probably the top four or top five episodes of the entire year. Uh, Mind Walk was so good because it, it started. And then there, the, the one time amok, that was the one with Rock. Yeah. Um, that was, I don't know why for me, Shauna, that was an incredibly emotional episode. Because, like, everybody, nobody, it, it, nobody has never had that irrational fear of being alone. Like, we've all yeah. experienced that. And to see what was being presented as a child who, for all intents and purposes, probably spent years. Right, Sean? It was probably years. Month, months Too at the middle.
6: <laughs> Too long. Too long.
0: Too long. <laughs> by herself. On a, on a big ship while her friends were just yanked from her in, in different times. Man, that was a really powerful episode. And seeing her at the end kind of emerge stronger and better and and you saw her struggle, right? You saw that, that she had created the Murph doll. You saw how she had kept her quarters. You saw her struggle during that alone time. And man, was she ever so glad to see her friends. That was emotionally powerful for me and and then of course if you're satisfying my action uh the finale episode 1 wow just the yeah. th- just action out the nose man it was a great great episode you guys did a phenomenal phenomenal job you had mentioned a moment ago as we wrap up here thank you again so much alex kurtzman has said that you guys are canon so that means that hopefully There is a significant future for this property. Seven, eight, ten seasons minimum, we hope. Um,
5: Hopefully we get an arc in... uh, You know where I'm going. Listen,
0: Scopely knows who you are, don't (laughs) they? Scopely knows who you are.
5: Yes, I have met Eco um, in person, or Echo, however you prefer his name. But I met him uh, on Star Trek Day and in San Diego. I have offered my services, but they do have a... Pretty good team. I was so impressed with the lower decks arc. Um, I thought the writing on that arc was solid. It just really, really, you could hear the character voices mm-hmm. in the missions. I like I, that one really turned it around for me because I was I was frustrated too, right? <laughs> like yeah. I'm I'm playing this game. I love Star Trek and I, you know, I, I'm not telling anybody that I worked on this show because it's weird and awkward and And now it doesn't really matter because I'm not working on it anymore. But, um, you know, I still don't want to get rated that experience. (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, listen, was it not a riveting story to you to to figure out whether or not uh, Picard decided to go to the beach or go camping? I mean, you had to have examined that mechanically and and discovered that there was intent behind (laughs) that story, right? Yeah,
5: I... (laughs) I don't want to comment on that. The one thing I will say is that I, I, the thing I hate the most is when people compliment our show by denigrating one of the others. And my line to everybody is that there is a flavor of Star Trek for everyone. Not everyone has to love Discovery. Not everyone has to love Picard. Not everyone has to love Prodigy. But there is something there for every type of fan. And that's what helps... You know, reinforce IDIC, right? Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. That is a tenet of the of the Star Trek universe. Oh, I, I remember the thing I was going to say. You may thought may have thought that we were being dictated to by potential toy sales. Clearly, that was not the case, or we would have had our prodigy toys by now. Um, that was something <laughs> we were all very much looking forward to. Like we created an underwater vehicle in part because we went man that would be a cool toy and <laughs>
0: we it we're, never like, happened, we're actually
5: it. making things because we wanted to own the toys and no one was <laughs> telling us to do it and then you know it's like oh man where is my plushy Murph where are my action figures yeah where's, where's the my squishmallow model? Murph I want to squish mellow merch. I know. So I'm um, told the the merch the merch pipeline is finally starting to open up a little bit. There's you know there's shirts and some things on the Star Trek shop, but I, there's definitely more coming. There were some announcements about the action figures late last year coming out. I think this first quarter, but certainly but before summer, uh, some of the action figures will be out.
0: So your, um, in your opinion or in your insight, which is obviously very unique as a player of this game, do you uh, or are you familiar with with how Paramount talks to to this electronic uh, entertainment division, if you will, that is scopely? Like Paramount has a lot to say. They've got a lot of control. Um, and, and you would know because you were on the other side of that coin as far as creating the product. So you're trying to protect right. it as best you can.
5: Do I you, don't know. Do you, <laughs> I was going to say,
0: do you expect the prodigy arc?
5: I, I hope, I hope there will be one. I mean, I hope scopely would be interested in that and introducing these characters in the game. I've been told, uh, we may be seeing prodigy characters and timelines. I hope so. The only real, uh, knowledge I have is about the prodigy game that came out just a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writers were consulted and worked very closely with that uh that company in the design of the Prodigy game. They hired a uh, an award-winning video game writer, but they definitely ran a lot. Like one of our other writers that was on the staff, Lisa Schultz Boyd, um she wrote the Crossroads episode with Akana um, she w- served as a consultant for them you know and sort of helped you know make sure that everything that they had was consistent with the characters we created and how they talk and how they look and you know so there was definitely a lot of um synergy that happened with that project I don't really know how it works with any of the others like I said I I can only hope because I would love to you know, for all of the characters, you know, that I helped create. Yeah, and you, get them you, that, that would get be... all their shards and collect them all and hopefully get a protostar. You'd and... win
0: auctions for those guys, wouldn't you? You'd be like, yeah, I'm going. I, would,
5: I would throw down for those guys, 100%. <laughs> like, I, I didn't really go, the, you know, all out for way in. I didn't really, you know, for even even Gal Gaud, Cot, Like, eh, okay. The strike teams are a whole other...
0: Yeah, that's a different conversation for a different day. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, It's it's been my honor. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Like, even when we started chatting here a couple of weeks ago, we, we chatted for a while that day, and then I'm like, you know, I I, I almost want to stop. Like, I want to pause here because I want to be able to talk to you about these questions, and if I have already asked it, then I don't want to forget to ask it. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm curious about something, I don't want that curiosity satisfied. Before I get you on the show, so we were talking. We talked for hours that day, and then I was like, you know what? We got to save the rest of this. We got to save this for the show because I am just absolutely fascinated by what you do and the fact that you have found your way to this game. Uh, and and that could be another conversation just about you personally, like what brought you into Star Trek and like why did you download this game? Why have you stuck with it? Um, it could be a totally different conversation for another day. Yeah. But but I today mean, honestly- was. Awesome. My
5: dirty little secret is that I worked in radio for a short time. Oh. Uh, I I was an assistant producer on a show. Uh, my my first career before becoming a writer was I worked in IT. So I was a IT drone. I was doing PC server support, Novell servers, you know, large area, wide area networks, and then I uh, and I was doing it for the Walt Disney Company. So I was at working at Disney World in Orlando for about six years, and while I was there, there was a show that was done and aired on like an AM radio AM station that was um, a weekly interview show with various people who happened to be in town, probably because they got a free trip and a tour guide to do some publicity stuff for Disney. So I met I met. LeVar Burton that way I met uh, Kevin Bacon I met Gene Siskel who is a lovely gentleman so I worked on that show for about two years and you know but I'm happy to come on anytime because I'm just a total ham and we'll talk about anything
0: well you know Ward on jokes in the chat okay obviously DJ can talk for hours the real question is whether Shauna wants to talk to DJ for hours but I'll tell you like, I, I can see the radio background in you, Shauna, because we could talk all day. We've already done it once. We could do it again. We've, we've done it today. I've, I've kept you an hour beyond when you, you agreed to be
5: here. <laughs> so, I'm down. Although, thank next you. time, I will not stand for President Eco, you know, just I've giving me the Heisman. Like, that's, that's really poor form.
0: Oh, do like. you hear that, Echo? I'm not. I'm not upset
5: that I didn't, you know, buy him some quesadillas for the holidays. I did think about it because I was like, oh, you know, I know him. I could probably send him (laughs) some. I was even going to volunteer when you were trying to send him quesadillas. I'm like, I'm in town. I could. could Oh my god. We've got
0: Mark. You hear that? We've got somebody who knows where he lays his head down at night. I am. so going to take advantage of that. I know where the
5: scopely offices are.
0: Oh man, that is phenomenal. All right, well, guys. That is one of two brilliant writers. This is Shauna Benson, who has been instrumental in giving us an amazing property. Like, you know, I I don't again don't know how this industry works, but to know that you were so directly responsible for the for the way the fandom, like this show could have not been good, but it came from you and and your team. (laughs) You I've and your done team. There are not good shows. So there, there are. Like. <laughs> yeah, there's some not good shows out
5: there. Nobody sets out to make a bad show. That's what I'll tell you. No one who works in this business wants to make a terrible show. We all want to make a great show. And sometimes it just doesn't work for budget reasons or, you know, stars don't align and maybe the scripts aren't very good or who knows. There's all kinds of reasons a show doesn't work out. This one is a passion project and the labor of love of pretty much everyone involved.
0: Animators, you guys are all Trekkies, right? You told me that the other day. And the, the entire writing team had yeah, has- we had
5: one one kind of non-trekkie, which worked great for us because he was sort of like our, our litmus test. Like if we could get him to understand what we were talking about without, you know, uh, the the techn- even with the techno babble, then we knew we were in. And so it was really good to have somebody who wasn't as versed in the Star Trek universe in the writer's room. So we did have that counterbalance, but yeah, we're all total nerds.
0: Well, I appreciate you spending the time with some other Total nerds here because we've spent two and a half hours not even talking about the video game that we spend fifteen hours a week talking about. But still, yeah, I
5: think my four-hour shield is up. I gotta, go <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go grind. I gotta do these ticket events. I didn't even know we had them until. Yeah, I,
0: I saw that fun. earlier. They popped up. They surprised me. I was I was pleased with that. They even have officer shards in them, by the way.
5: mm mm-hmm. No, and I play way too much of this game. It's stupid, and I. <laughs> Well, I've never been a whale. I don't spend a ton of money. But during lockdown, I started playing, getting a lockdown, and I definitely spent more than I'm willing to admit to publicly <laughs> on this game. Welcome to the I club. I look at it now as it's all paying off. Yeah, we're it's all, all in the paying same boat.
0: Welcome to the <laughs> club. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Shauna, as we get ready to wrap up, this is not your only project. And if we can. You're in a perfect situation
3: to write it off as a tax exemption. That's true. You're doing research.
0: Work. That's right. Research purposes.
3: I,
5: I didn't do it last year, but I'm highly tempted to this year. Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I mean, Listen, this, this, There's absolute merit to it. Um, listen, um, if, any other other projects, projects, yeah. if any of your other projects, if any of your other projects, uh, exhibit the level of attention to detail and masterful execution as Star Trek Prodigy has been, then I want to know about it. What are the Benson sisters working on right now that you'd like to promote?
5: Um, actually, we're kind of between gigs right now. We're we're, we're looking for our next job. So if anybody uh, has no they want us to work on it, we're, we're available. We, we did meet uh, on. We did have a meeting early. It days for Strange New Worlds, but they had pretty much gotten all of their writers hired by the time we were done with Prodigy. So it didn't work out for that, but we've told them we'll come back in a heartbeat. Um, so we're not, the the thing that you could probably tell the most about us um, as writers is our comics work. We wrote for DC Comics, we wrote Batgirl and the Birds of Prey for two years uh, for no their kidding. rebirth. In 2016. And then we wrote a a short run of Green Arrow after that. So, no kidding. I love that show. Yeah. I mean, and we were writing the comic and not the TV show, although we met on that a bunch of times too. Didn't get the job, but no problem. (laughs) Um, It's a tough business (laughs) out there. Well, listen, you know, know. also, comics pays you like a dollar. (laughs) It's not very lucrative, but we enjoyed it. It's all us, you know, and Working with an artist, it's the closest thing to animation I can really say we've done for Prodigy. And um, we did two episodes, like I said, of the He-Man and the Masters of Universe. It looks like it was, you know, cranked out from a Technicolor uh, crazy three-dimensional dream, uh, the way the color scheme works. But it's a really fun show, and it's smart. It's smarter than you expect it to be. So we're really... Pleased we got to do that because who doesn't love Heyman? Yeah, hey Man's cool.
0: You know that so. you just said something, and and I know we got to go, but you just said something that that actually sums Prodigy up in a word. It was surprising. It was smarter than I expected a kid's cartoon to be. Like you guys definitely, absolutely spanned those two islands. You did a great, great job. That's exactly that's that's the perfect sum up to what Prodigy was. It was surprising how sophisticated and mechanical. And, and how Star Trek it actually was. Uh, you guys did a phenomenal job with that. Uh, with, with season two underway, um, what was your relationship with Alex Kurtzman? Like, I mean, obviously he was involved. Did you guys get to spend time together? Like, if, if, if season three gets renewed, is he calling you?
5: Um, met him at Star Trek Day, and that was uh, the one time we met him. He obviously knew who we were as writers on one of the shows. Um, but we did not have a lot of facetime with him. And also, like I said, during lockdown and there he's busy with five shows. Uh, which you know is great. That meant that we got to play in our sandbox and do what we wanted, and then we could present it to him and other executives and just, you know say, here, this is what we think it should be. And he was like, yeah, I like this. I think that's good. So, I, so who do we I'm write totally letters to, to to get that. you
0: back for season three?
5: <laughs> um, I, I, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, if it's in, if it, if it's in the cards, we will, we will be there. Um, it, it honestly, it is very much a timing issue. Um, and you know, like I said, we're between gigs at the moment, but that doesn't mean we're gonna be around being lazy for very long because we're always working on something. We're either developing projects, pitching projects, or we're writing on a show somewhere.
0: Yeah. Chad's telling me that you wrote for the 100 too. That was a, that was a big show. Yeah. That was
5: our first, that was our first gig. Um, We did three seasons of that. I was the writer's assistant on season two. And then when they got picked up for season three, my sister and I were hired together on that. Spent a lot of time in Vancouver overseeing production, um, it was a fun show, uh, but like one of the big challenges for TV writers is learning the voice, the authorial voice of your showrunner and then being able to bring your you know version of that not as a mimic but it, you know that you're you come close to the mark um, and you make their job easier by writing something that is close to what they envision not just, you know, when they pitch it, but also in how they write their stories in the scripts. So that's, uh, that's one of the, the big uh, things you have to learn as a TV writer.
0: Well, uh, you seem to, to be pretty, pretty adept at anything you touch is, is turning into, to stuff. Maybe this most recent project, whatever, but like you, you looking in the chat here and, and even looking at your IMDB, like there's a lot of stuff you've done. Like you guys have been busy. And, yeah, uh, and I mean, it's really cool to <laughs> thankfully. see. Thankfully,
5: I mean, we're, we're, we're really grateful for that. Um, you know, the nature of TV right now is a little weird in that we don't have very long seasons and not very many episodes and shows are getting canceled left, right and center. Like I said, I worked on an animated adult animated show uh, for Netflix last year and it's, you know, it got uh, canceled before we even went to production. So it was, you know, so it's a tough time. And you never Wait, see that stuff on doesn't the get canceled
3: from Netflix. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> never.
5: We actually thought we were escaping it because we we did escape the first round of the animation cuts that they did. They, they canceled a bunch of shows and we were still standing. And then they got us in round two. But uh, it was, fun. you know, at least I got to work on that show. I got to work with a great friend of mine who was running that show. I got to work for Robert Hewitt-Wolf, who was a Deep Space Nine writer. I wow. play D anD D with Robert and other people
0: on the. Show. The writing industry actually seems probably to be smaller than what a lot of people probably think it is, right? A lot of people have worked. It's in a, a small lot town. Of, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: we all kind of we we know each other and we don't. A TV definitely. If you write in features, if you write movies, it's a lot more solitary. You don't really get to meet as many other writers because you're just busy writing your movie or whatever. Whereas TV, we all move around, right? And, and, and somebody moving off of a show and moving on to another show doesn't mean that they were bad at the show they were on or that the you know the, the next show was a better op- opportunity. it could have been, but it also could be a lot of reasons that people move around. But it means that we meet a lot of people and we know people who know people and you know over the last couple of years, Twitter made that a lot smaller. Um, I love that picture of Lexa. I got to sit on that throne. It made me super happy. Uh, I have Ooh, a picture really? of me sitting on that throne. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Badass. I yeah. love Alicia Debnam Carey. She's been on Fear of the Walking Dead, and she's an amazing, amazing actress.
0: A lot of good talent all out there.
5: Pretty great. Yeah, young. I, I love working with young talent because you get to see them rise. You know, you get to see them take off.
0: And well, as long as they don't forget who gave them the material to do that, right? There we go.
5: Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, it happens. You raise them. They leave the nest. They go <laughs> on. I'm super famous.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
5: sometimes they remember you. Sometimes.
0: Mama Shauna sitting back, just waving out there to to all the talent she's discovered and giving them their, their ammunition to become big. All right. Um, Let's really, really, really appreciate the time and uh, the insight into the creation of something that is – obviously near and dear to all of our hearts, which is a Star Trek television show. And actually, um, what may have surprised some people turned into just masterful art. Uh, a lot of people in the chat were saying, like, this is probably their top three favorite property of all time. And, you know, with as many properties as there are, Shauna, that's pretty high praise. A top three of all time in all the Star Trek prodigies. Or all the Star Trek I'll properties. I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, it's,
5: it's very... It's very gratifying. I'm honored that people love the show and love what we did. I said it came from a place of love and uh, I'm just so glad that people are, you know, discovering it and loving it and introducing their kids to it and that kids are excited about it. I mean, those are the things that you do it for. Um, You know, it, it it, it makes it all worthwhile.
0: Well, we appreciate it. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you, Shauna Benson, for the time spent here with us on Talking Trek here today. Check it out on Nickelodeon. See, I was, I was worried before the show, Shauna, because I struggle saying the word Nickelodeon for some reason. Yeah, I heard. I heard. Yeah.
5: Did you not grow up as a Nickelodeon kid? Like, uh, yes, but
0: I don't, I don't know why. It's just always in my head. It was always Nickelodeon. Yeah, I know the Nick yeah. song. Nick, 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 but. Nickelodeon, I don't, there's no N in it It's the,
5: you know, mm. most people don't even know what a Nickelodeon is Wait, but it, it is was a thing? A, yeah, oh, it was a piece it of, I mean, it was a machine in like the 20s or 30s, you put a nickel in the machine and then you'd crank it and you'd watch a, you know, it was like a moving picture, right? But it was like all of the, the individual frames and then when you turn the crank it would spin the pictures and you'd have them moving
0: Kind that of like a flip <laughs> I oh, never did know this. I never do that. Huh. Nah, I, guess never, I guess I've never. I guess I've never Googled it. There you go. See, getting an education on the history of Nickelodeon as well. Um, check <laughs> it out. It is available. Uh, I think it's still running replays on Nickelodeon, but you can also uh, stream episodes on demand at Paramount Plus. Season one is concluded. Twenty episodes of Star Trek Prodigy, and I can almost assuredly tell you, if you open your heart. And open your mind to the ideals of Starfleet and the Federation, then you will most certainly appreciate this series. uh, And I encourage you to go check it out. Available now streaming on Paramount Plus. Shauna Benson, thank you so very much. You're the rock. You're the best. We look forward to having you back again here soon. Love you, Uh, guys. We're gonna. Yeah, there it is. You hear the you hear the theme song. It's even a good orchestral theme. And the characters, man, they are just easy to love. Go check out Rock Talk. She's the best. All right, guys. My name is Ultimate DJs. We're going to take a very quick break, and we will return here on the stage of Talking Trek Live, Star Trek Fleet Command's official podcast. As we wrap up, I got to be honest with you. That was so much fun and, and so easy to talk to her. I did not expect that we would go three hours Uh, with her on Star Trek. She offered me an hour. I didn't know that we would go that long, but what a great conversation. I felt like I was just talking with a friend about something that we both loved, and that was incredibly, incredibly awesome. You guys, um, I I don't know that we got time to do much else. I feel so bad for Lube and Stewie, but we might even try to do that on Twitch. We'll talk to them on the other side of the break. Plus, your chance to play Talking Treks Battleship immediately on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
1: This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Third World Wide Web. Log on today, but get your shots first.
0: Today's show brought to you in part by facebook.com slash posse. your one-stop shop for all toys, whether for pleasure, professional, buying, selling, or just remembering your childhood. Visit them online at Facebook.com slash posse for the toy collector in all of us. PVPTarget.com is a site with a whole host of tools for the players, not only at veteran status in this game, but also for brand new players. Giving you insights into PVP banding, crews, and ROE used by many servers, PVPTarget.com can help you get your feet under you with respects to all things player versus player. Visit their website for a player's guide regarding lawful attacks, warships, and even a glossary of terms for use right here inside Star Trek Fleet command. Visit pvptarget.com today. That's pvptarget.com.
2: The new year is here. And if you're like most Americans, you're about to go on a killer diet. That'll only last about a month.
0: Pizza delivery.
2: Thanks for the extra breadsticks, man. At Resolutions Workout Gear, we'll rent you the hottest gym fashion so you can look good all month without paying all year. We've got everything from fancy track suits to flashy sneakers so you can fool everyone into thinking you're a workout warrior. And we'll even throw in a free selfie stick for that all-important Facebook photo that shows you at the gym. (laughs) Fitness regiments come and go, but the bill won't last a lifetime at Resolutions Workout Gear.
1: Hi, I'd like to return the. These jogging pants?
2: Sure. Would you like that
6: in cash, baked goods, or beer?
1: I'll take the baked goods and the beer, please.
6: Here you go, fatty. Happy New Year. Uh-oh.
0: I was really trying to wait long enough to get to the hook on this song, because I really like the hook on this song. Oh, I don't think we're gonna get there. It's taken too daggone long to get there. We'll turn it down for a little bit, and then we'll wait. We'll wait for it to come, Trader, and then we'll all go crazy. Is that is that cool? Are we good with everybody? Absolutely. All right. I think it's coming. Here it is, everybody. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, I love it right there. Good evening, everybody. Welcome in to Talking Trek. I am your furry feline host, Ultimate DJs, here on the stage of Star Trek Fleet Command's official podcast. But really, Trader, today, um, a departure from Fleet Command, definitely inside the Star Trek universe. So I feel like I've got an excuse, right? If I decided to do a three-hour show about the many things you can build in Minecraft, then then I could understand uh, the complaints, <laughs> but that was fascinating. I mean, unless they want to sponsor, right? Minecraft. Uh, yeah, look looking at you, Minecraft. Uh, no, seriously, um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't like to. I don't like to critique my own work. I'm sure that Shauna knows exactly what I say when I say I don't like to to proffer uh, prof opinions or, or anything like that. But but man, I am. I could not be happier with that interview.
3: I really, Are you going to audition for one of those
0: parts as a cat person? Oh, for ever sure. Cat, one of those. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Do you remember when she said, Trader? Do you remember when she said that that they had people in mind for roles when they were making them? I mean, I'm just,
4: just, yeah. I'm just saying.
0: I am super available. Like, you don't even know how available I am. All right? Like, I am... As available (laughs) as you think I am, and then double it. (laughs) All right. Wow. I am one hundred percent willing to to be considered uh, for a character that you create for a show. Uh, Star Trek would be a bonus. For the record, (laughs) it could be any show. For the record, Star Trek's a bonus. I will be your, I will be your lawyer and agent. See, look at that. We've already got the business part handled. I'm not even and listen I'll, I will I will construct uh, instruct I will construct I will instruct my attorney/agent to be as giving myself away as possible only because I want to do it <laughs> right like she had mentioned that too yep, like it was yep. a passion project right like she was really listen let's not pretend that that she made millions of dollars writing this incredibly successful show that probably is generating millions of dollars for this for this studio because it, it's been it's been so so good you know and and listen you can go you can talk uh, about sports athletes right the star athletes they make they make all the money the coaches make the money but wh- what about the what about the coaching staff like they're lucky to make like thirty forty grand fifty grand you know what I'm saying like I just feel like there's not enough credit given to writing teams. And, and Trader, this is not – I'm not saying that because of today. I've said it before about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, their writing teams are so, so spot on. Like, that's what I, I meant when I was saying to her, like, it was very possible for this project to not be successful. All right. It was very very possible for Prodigy to just be another cartoon. But in in my opinion and and we've talked about this it's it, again not just saying this because she was here today. We've talked about this on previous content which is by the by the by the way trader. I think why we even got this interview in the first place. Because we have been. We have talked about it. We've been interested in it. And and this introduction was made and she was like, "Listen, I've actually heard Uh, your content before too. And it was really cool to hear that you love what I'm working on. I would love to talk to you about it. What? Yes, please. I would love to talk to you about it. You know, like, and, and we've said it before, Trader. This show is so unique in that it's not because it's so flashy. It's not because it's three and a half hours long. It's not because just because it's Star Trek, because we've seen Star Trek. With not so good stories. Man, the writing was just spot on. We've said it all season, Trader. The story was phenomenal. Absolutely. So so good, this story. And uh and and that's why I think that that she deserves all the accolades and more, because she was she was part of a think about this, folks. Nine people created this story from, from A to B. Nine. All right. Now again, you've got the animators, very important. You've got the actors, obviously extremely important. More hundreds of people probably involved in this project. But nine people in my opinion trader, nine people could have made it or break it. Bre- break broke it? Broke it? Made it or broke it. it. Doesn't even make sense. It's not supposed to rhyme. It's supposed to be make it or break it. Whatever. They yeah. made a story. <laughs> <laughs> Don't focus on the details, trader. Let's hone in on the on the point <laughs> I'm making. <laughs> They created a story that we could all connect with. Dude, if you're 70 years old, you can watch this cartoon. If you're a Trek fan, you can watch this cartoon and you'll be like, well, I'll be damned. That's exactly what it's going to sound like, too. All right, because it's good. And, and the lore is good. I don't think, you know, Mark, we've talked about quote unquote mistakes in movies and, like, inconsistencies. You know who I'd love to talk to about this is Techman16. He is about as nerdy uh, on Star Trek lore as anybody I've ever met. He can quote you star dates. You tell him an incident trader, he'll give you the star date. Okay? He's that much into lore. uh, Chronological order. He was in the audience earlier. I did. I saw him in the audience. He knows the Star Trek universe. I would be curious if there if there even was anything about this this canon property now that has now become a part of official record. I didn't recognize anything. I didn't recognize any inconsistencies, I didn't recognize any holes in the story. Even, you know, we talk about how maddening time travel is. Like Marvel took a totally different spin on it, which I re- I respect because the traditional mantra of time travel is Is kind of set in stone, right, Trader? Like, you go back to the past, like, they even said it in Marvel. Here are the rules of time travel. Don't talk to your prior self. Don't, you know, buy sports almanac books, you know, all that funny stuff. You're talking
3: back to the future rules.
0: Yeah, the back to the future rules. Everybody, and, and that was kind of the first major one, right? Terminator was another one, but they didn't go into the rules of time travel paradox and all that. Yeah, Marvel stepped outside of the box to create their own version of time travel. And and I really feel like even in other Star Trek properties Paramount has not gotten that right. You know what I'm saying? Like even in other Star Trek properties, it's been really sometimes a little bit of a struggle to accept some of the of the time travel explanations or the stories or you know some of them have been good but some of them have been a little bit tough you know and and so to see time travel become a part of prodigy in a unique way that actually made sense maybe maybe trader because they were talking to kids about it maybe it made it possible for me to understand it you know (laughs) like because they were targeting a a young person audience they're trying to explain time travel to a younger person I finally got it and you know what I like this model I like this version of time travel it makes sense to me like that time travel is now the new reality there's no ribbons and there's no future changes and there's no just vanishing into thin air and there's no watching entire worlds just change right before your eyes like this is it this is your new reality you go to the past you're in the past and and Marvel kind of did something very similar with that, and and I think, I don't know, I'm a nerd. I think it's a better version of time travel, t- to me. And and the way that they handled their time travel, which was a piece of this story, and I I, I hear what she said. Sometimes people get scared about t- about approaching time travel because a there's a couple of accepted versions of mm-hmm. time travel out there. Uh, and you're invariably going to yeah. make somebody upset with the one that you choose. But, but also, like, there literally is no explanation. Like, there are things <laughs> that, that just don't make sense. You know one of the worst time travel things for me? All right, this is going to sound stupid. One of the most difficult to understand time travel things is uh, two different episodes of two different properties, but they use the same model. One was Harry Potter. Harry Potter, when they were using that little time travel medallion, and he was the one that sparked his own uh, charm there at the lake. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Those of you who watched Harry Potter, that was one because the incident at the lake is the reason he went back in time. So how was he back in time to begin with to set off the charm? Okay, problem at number a (laughs) intended problem number a, all right? Problem Problem number A. Yes, because that's how much sense it made, okay? (laughs) Problem number B, all right, actually, crazy (laughs) enough, happened in Voyager, all right? Problem number B, the episode where uh, Janeway and Tom Paris got sent back uh, before that big explosion of chroniton energy, all right, and they were trying to prevent the disaster. Does anybody remember this episode? They were the one, but they ended up being what was but going to. But they cause it. were the ones that caused it. Now, the only reason they investigated it, the only reason that they were there in the first place, Karkin, is because they detected the explosion from dozens of light years away. They diverted course to investigate. Yet they were the ones who allegedly caused the damage. In time How? dynamics, uh,
3: effect can precede cause. Bullcrap. <laughs> they explained that in a, in the second episode where they um there was that one time where they they had a distress signal that they went to investigate and it turned out to be their distress signal inside this like quantum warp field that's or that's right
0: i remember that one too see I, I just i i understand you know basic time travel i mean i'm not i'm not trying to nerd out and explain or teach Time travel, please don't think that's what it you is. Want if anything, I'm complaining. stuff,
3: watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. you get got some great time travel stuff there. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Thank you, Karkin. Maybe I should go check that one out. I mean, really truthfully, oh, if great. I'm trying to solve time travel, I understand why Shauna said that, that writers and executives and entire studios want to avoid time travel. I get it because it's so gosh darn confusing, and, and there's so many different versions out there. Like, which one are you going to go with? And and which community are you going to upset? And which other community are you going to alienate? And which world-renowned scientist is going to come out and talk about why it's not feasibly
2: possible?
0: <laughs> I, I, I get it. It's confusing. Looking at you and the well, other press, Tyson. It's confusing as crap. And,
4: but the other thing is, and, and this is me personally, and I'm, I know some of you have heard me rant about this before, I just find time travel as a general proposition to be just so lame, just so lame it's it, usually it's,
0: it's <laughs> usually the solution to a problem they can't solve otherwise yep you know, ex- exactly when I heard let's just go back and reset it yeah, it when I heard that Marvel game. endgame was going to do time travel, I was actually extremely disappointed. Can I just be honest with you I was very disappointed with with when I heard the news now the movie ended up being phenomenal at least they they took a unique perspective on time travel, okay? But when, they, when the leak happened that they were going to go back in time to defeat Thanos, I'm thinking to myself, man, nine years, trader, nine years of excellent writing, nine years of amazing products, and you're going to finish with time travel? Like, I was really upset. Now, I'm glad with what they did with it. And, you know, even here in the case of Prodigy, you wouldn't have known it was time travel. See, maybe that's the alternative maybe that was what they did that that was so much better than everybody else traders is that they started a story all right that had logical reasons a history how did this happen why was this here who are these people like all of that made sense and then suddenly you realized that there was time th- that there was somebody out of time you know suddenly you realized that that the villain so to speak wasn't actually the villain from that moment. Like they had mm-hmm. grown into a villain because of some predicated uh, pre prerequisite condition. But maybe that was the difference trader that they didn't just obviously jump into, you know, well, here's why the proto never been talked about in any I- other episode ever. And blah, 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 one, two, three. But they actually gave a very interesting, plausible story as to, why that ship ended up in the rock and and i think maybe that's what did it for me that and not trying to actually explain it because well, they didn't try to well, explain what this, it they call it like with
4: movies and television and all of that it's you know they they call it the willing suspension of disbelief like you understand that what you're watching isn't reality and you're willing to suspend you know the normal rules of reality to enjoy what you're watching And when it's done well, like that, like you're willing to say, hey, you know what? I hate time travel stuff. I hate it with a passion. I I hated it in Picard. I thought it was stupid. And I quit watching the series because of it. This, I was like,
0: okay. It's acceptable.
4: I can deal with that. Yeah, it's a good enough
0: explanation. Now, I'm not taking away from all time travel. Like when when a series is 100% predicated on that, like Doctor Who, I love that. But you know why? There's no norms. There's not a normal in Doctor Who. He jumps from story to story to story. There's not a ton. I know there is some, but there's not a ton of implication, either pre or post uh, engagement. All right. Um, Doctor Who is His time travel follows along the lines of things that have happened,
3: pretty much have happened and will happen. So anything he's encountered in the future is something he's already done in the past. So they don't need to change the storyline for –
0: Exactly. How are going. Yeah, like everything, everything is just kind of, you know, somewhat related, but also kind of standalone. You know, um, I, to be perfectly honest with you, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree, this is where Tech Man and I stand apart. Um, not necessarily on just the entire season as a whole, because Discovery is not my favorite property, but I actually, as a fan, am satisfied with what they did to get Discovery out of our timeline. The fact that they jumped it to the future to keep it away from control, you know, that sphere data. I was fine with mm-hmm. that mechanic. Now, what, what disappoints me is just <laughs> crazy. The writing and and the story that they opted to go with when they got all the way to the future because it doesn't look like humanity or it doesn't look like anybody learned a damn thing in 900 years. We're all doing the same thing and having the same fights and having the same yeah, arguments right. and and crying a lot. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like there's a ton of depth there. Um but I'm satisfied with the mechanic that they chose to use to create that timeline. you know. And, and then, of course, you go back and you look at battle, uh, pff, Battleship. You showed me the, the icon. You look at Back to the Future. Totally fine with that. That was one of the originals. T- Terminator, the, uh, the early ones trader, cool. But you started getting some of the later properties, and they started really getting funky with their time travel. It started to lose a little bit of us. Started to, started to lose us a little bit. So anyway, that's much spiel on time travel. I think that Prodigy really approached it responsibly and simply, and I think that was part of the that was part of the reason that I was totally fine with that aspect of the show. It contributed to my enjoyment of the entire show because I wasn't left trying to figure that one out. And if I'm a Trek fan, and 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 I'm a, a grown man trying to figure out time travel, what would a what would a ten year old kid do? I think they handled it well. I think they handled it really, really well. I wonder if Shauna has kids. Because it obviously takes somebody with, with a special mind to be able to communicate to children and adults in the exact same 20 minutes. Like, they had to have kept that in mind. I just wonder I wonder if, if, if she just has that gift or, or if she yells at her own kids every single day. I yell at my kids every day, and I still don't know how to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. We're just wasting time now. I'm looking for the buttons. Okay. Go fast. Uh, yeah, good go, buttons. Yo, go fast. By the way, Johnny Fon, great question, man. That was probably my favorite question out of the entire community because that's an important thing. Like, We don't think that the captain's phrase is like – I mean, obviously, I guess we do. We do think that the captain's phrase is defining. But that was a big one, and it was a good one. I like Dal's – Fowl's captain's Fraser. Go fast. Like, it is really good. Lots of, stuff to, lots of stuff to love about the show. All right, let's play a game and get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, the time is nigh. Uh, the game is Talking Trek's Battleship. You guys have an opportunity to earn a guess right now. Let me find my card. All right, I got it. Just as a a quick aside, if anybody hasn't, if anybody's still listening up to this point, because we've lost a few people, Trader. It's gone extra long today. Um, I mentioned it early in the show. I forgot to do the off-air drawing. I've been busy, and and again, a new pattern. I'll get to it. I'm going to make it up. But that means after tonight's show, Trader, we're going to do two. So you need to be sure to go down into the Battleship War Room And register with the battleship bot so that you have an extra opportunity to be drawn at random to make a guess here on our battle board. As of right now, we're looking for somebody in the live studio audience, and that is going to be Gabe is dazed. Gabe is dazed. You've got a chance to come in and lay your guess on the board. Now, you could come up, you could guess something wrong, and you could go home with nothing. But you could also go home with anywhere between 1,000 and 2,500 materials. It's a big prize. So we need to get Gabe is dazed up on the stage. I'm looking for Gabe is dazed. If we don't get him here in a second, we'll have to draw another name. Let's see. Gabe.
4: I can see him in, in chat.
0: He, he said hi in he chat. Raised- Hi, Gabe. Yeah. Are you able to <laughs> join voice? If not, you can play in text. This game is able to be played in text. But it's more fun if you can come and do it in voice. Can we hear you? Test again. He,
3: he was great, but didn't hear him, so. Oh,
0: well, we got him on the stage. Gabe is dazed. Are you, are you there? Hello? Hey, we got yep. you, baby boy. Welcome into the stage of Talking Trek Live. For your chance at Talking Treks Battleship. Gabe, where are you calling from? Uh, what part of the world you play and What's your server?
3: Uh, 195 uh, down in New Zealand.
0: Wow. A New Zealander on an APAC server. Server 195. Welcome in. We appreciate it. Uh, is your internet any better than Scaly's? Because we want to make sure we get your guests before Thursday of next week. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Um, it's dropping in and out a bit at the moment. but oh, um, Well, then we'll hurry yeah, up and we'll, we'll get we'll your guess.
0: We'll get your guests quickly. Gabe, so far, you can look in the Battleship Clue room and you can see that there's only been one guest to the board and it was a miss. For those of you listening in, we will be posting all of the guesses in the Battleship Clues room, so hopefully you can keep up with your cards. There is also a Battleship downloadable card in the graphics room. Also, Ariana I think, got the editable one done. As well. So there's plenty of ways for you to keep up with your battleship card. Gabe, let's step into the battleship war room and we'll get your coordinates, see if we can make you a winner today. Gabe, step in here with me. Let's go. Okay. All right, here we are. Lots of sensitive and very expensive equipment. Please be careful and do not sneeze on anything. Like, just like that, like, Australia will be gone be careful.
3: Okay, I can't actually
0: move. Um, what, what we got, Gabe? I'll just have a guess. Yeah, yep. please take a guess. We'll share it with everybody. I'll even be so kind, Gabe, as to tell you if your coordinate's already been guessed. All right, so let's take a look at our board. A through J, 1 through 10. Gabe, please choose your coordinate. Uh... G eight, G eight. All right, uh, computer, if you would please be so kind as to fire a torpedo at coordinates G eight. Golf
2: eight, target acquired.
0: Holy crap! Holy crap, traitor He did it! That's only guest number two. Look at him. Dude, you did it. <laughs> Holy cow. Boy, that went quick, Trader. I was expecting to fool you guys for yes. at least another week. <laughs> All right. Awesome. There you guys go. G8, G8 is now per- confirmed per- as a hit. And, of course, Gabe, now I can't tell you. I can't tell you what ship it is. You guys are still going to have to figure that part out on your own, but when you sink it, you'll know it. In the meantime, Gabe, what is your ops level in the game?
3: Uh, 47.
0: Ops 47. Trader, this is no small prize. Gabe is going to have an opportunity here to take his choice of one of three different prizes, and none of the three of them are that small. They surely are not. Gabe, you have an opportunity right here at five officer badges. Okay, so maybe maybe I don't know, you might need officer badges. If you don't buy recruit packs, we could also hook you up with 1000 independent credits, which maybe you're spending latinum on. Who knows? Maybe those prizes don't entice you, Gabe. Which is why we have increased our offering to 2500 G4 uncommon of your choice. Oh.
2: 2500.
0: That's 5 times our normal payout. So Gabe, okay, you get to yeah, choose. I could take 2500 um uh or 2500 G4 oh, uh, or, 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 or G4 uncommon or congratulations to you. 2500. That's no small number and you're a winner. Our second player trader, which is going to make this round go significantly faster than I expected it to. Congratulations, Gabe. is Dave from server 195. Is that what he said? 195? Congratulations. Yeah, so you appreciate you. Me
4: Thank you so much. You need me to record that? or you, uh, you know, Gabe, today? just
0: be sure to PM me after the show so yep. that we can coordinate to get you your prize. And folks, that is easy. That's how easy it could be. You play Talking Treks Battleship and you are a winner. 2,500 G4 Uncommon for Gabe is Dazed, and you could be our next winner coming up this coming Sunday right here on the stage of Talking Trek. This is Talking uh, Trick's Battleship. Cool. Thank you, Gabe. Well, there you go. Now you guys have something to put on your cards, Trader. And remind me what <sighs> he wanted again he won a 2500 g4 uncommon ore which i mean dang right i mean dang Woo. Are you guys excited you already found a ship that's kind of ridiculous <sighs> mm, 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 mm. can now i the ships aren't in the shape of the ship right it's just a, you know, no, of course. yeah it's just a straight line just like the battleship yeah. game man you really wanted to mess with somebody we could actually draw shapes with it. Maybe we'll do that okay. on one round, Trader. We'll draw shapes.
6: <laughs> there,
4: You know, the game, the mobile game battleship, There is you. there are ships that are like weird shapes. They're not just straight lines.
0: That would be just cool. We, we should do something like that. It'd be fun. Captain Oblivious says, is posting the current card permitted? Uh, absolutely oblivious. we're not trying to make it difficult for anybody to win. I encourage community behavior. you guys help everybody keep everybody up to date so everybody is able to play and get the maximum amount of enjoyment uh, out of our game. Please absolutely feel free to to coordinate with with folks and and help each other out like a community should trader. Uh, we have we've done way too much time, but man, it was so great to talk to her. Let's see three. Well, maybe it was. not. It was awesome. About three and a half hours—that's becoming our new normal. I guess I could live with that. <sighs> I really, I really do want to get these down. This clock doesn't seem to be helping. Maybe, maybe I get the clock, but I, but I put in a mechanism that starts tasing me when it runs out. Is there something like that that exists? <laughs> Is there something out there that exists? Can you guys get me an a clock taser thing? We'll have to look they into it. You make such a thing that
4: you're not going to enjoy it.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure not. I'm totally teasing. By the way, I would not deploy that here. Don't don't bother. I, I was just playing. But please, don't don't. I'll, I'm gonna I'll, send I'll,
3: a taser to Mrs. DJ's for you, for her to reuse on you.
0: I do not appreciate this. <laughs> I do not appreciate this, area and I am. I do not appreciate this. I don't even remember. Blue
4: Spectre said remote control by Miss DJ's. even better.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, all right. Thank you guys so much for being here. It was, uh, it was a good day, good show. Uh, something to take your mind off of Flea Command maybe a little bit here in your downtime. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. Maybe you can use some of this downtime to go watch Prodigy. Uh, great show and a special thanks to our special guest for being here today i'd like to invite you to our website talking where you can find links over to the twitch where we will be tomorrow night uh you can find links to our youtube channel where we got some content i did actually record some videos we got some content upcoming for you over the next couple of days and of course you can find a link to our patreon store just quick update trader we are merely but days away from launching our brand new merch store which will be conservative up front but it will be brand spanking new and all new stuff uh that will be happening uh with our merch link we'll be getting that up in the next couple of days and then of course you can find the uh talking trek gold patreon program where players can contribute to the success of the show keeping the bills paid and the lights on and more giveaways for you guys i want to thank those players now that contribute at a level of ten dollars or more per month Thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart. Lord Delix, Lady Cass, Trader, Tucker, More Hostels, Iron Shepherd, Chalarmy, Delile, Mechrack, Hammerhead, Regis, Jberg, Shady Pines, Big Shakes, Low Auto Obsession. It's Hunter, Dagore, Susie Katana, Hank, Eight, DJ, Gur, MC101, Late Nighter, Light Bull, Louis P, Zabinar, Zinfrey, Peppies, Stormbringer, Bills, Mafia, Bayonetta, Darkside, Luke, Grog, Thorn, Archangel, Smoke, Mohawk, Zuzu, Jetski. Papa Smurf, Jason, Captain Jack Morris, Archer, Yusuke, Arian the Professor, DJs Love Assaults, and Honey, Steve, Liam, and Dominus, Casey Jones, Ripper's God, Chronic This Fella, Jesus Christ, Willie Joe K92, Darth Adamus, Sir Tail, General Chaos, Warren, Apox, Judge Craig, G Force, Bamakus, Captain Cube, Plain Sybil, Gary Game, Jr., Admiral, Inwater, Cha Cha Roar. Scarlet Hog, Loser Kendall, thank you, Sweet Baby Jesus, Wardot finally won. Seven of nine, Jaga, Nebigo Full Tilly, Blue Mandalorian, Noxus, Exhibitor, Furmax, Dr. Link, Clueless One, Skizoida, Beth, Welch, Kiovo, Texas, Angie, Gunner, Mighty Croc, Unimatrix, NC and Shovia Shilly, The Web, Balabam, Fart Monster Max, King 101, D Chesty, Nom, Garf One, Primal Fear, Medic 213, Dark Knight, Fly, Mike, Strata Blaster, and Pixelate. Thank you for supporting Talking Trek at a level of $10 or more per month. Talking Trek is a registered trademark and recorded in front of a live studio audience for your listening pleasure across podcast pla- uh, podcast platforms everywhere. I am your friendly neighborhood cab person Sam. meow for now. Love you mean it here on Star Trek Fleet Command's official podcast. You guys have a great night. I'm gonna go drink some honey tea because clearly bye.
6: Meow.